Listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2021. It is. Oh, cast your mind back all those years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this is the podcast where we uh, look back through the lens of uh, musical history via the ARIA charts, the Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and have a look at what was number one in a particular year, that one being 2021 this time. And if you want to follow along, with the music and the videos, you can check the YouTube link in the description. Now, that's a fine intro, Tom, <laughs> um, and you've and you've done done it well sure. because for some time you've you've spelt out what the podcast sort of entails. But um, you know, I, I, this is this is a tip that um, if you want to, I think same thing as next time, but I think you should change it to the only podcast brave enough. <laughs> bold enough because I've noticed a lot of podcasts you've got to be you got to be doing mm. something bold you've got to be brave you've got to be doing something true. like that yes. so yeah you got to so it's like we're the only podcast bold enough to, to go back yes. and challenge the you know the establishment that is Aria the can- cancel culture doesn't want you to know what the number one hits of 2021 exactly right. were we'll, we'll, we're we'll the only people brave enough brave enough to go they tried to shut us down yep. and we said no now, we've also failed to mention... And also that there's true crime. That's true. <laughs> we'll exactly. talk about gory murders of real people who are still... still parents are still alive. Trust well, there was, there was a shooting. There was a shooting last week or the week before, I mm. think, was it there? Someone, uh, da baby, shot a couple of people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, no, that was definitely true crime. Um, <laughs> it was definitely a true crime, but um, I, I guess in a way we could sort of try and solve that crime because it sounds like that... Um, a dude got shot to death, and the baby's just out there living living his best life. The oh, baby's know, a murderer. Right? No, I think we solved no, that crime for sure. In fact, I don't even think he's pretending he's not a murderer. I think he was bragging about I think it so. extensively. I think so. I think so. But he's a free man. He walks. He walks free. So I mean, that's not uncommon. But normally, it takes place more in the sort of Chicago underground music scene as opposed to the top of the Australian music yeah, That's correct. Yeah, know? exactly right. <laughs> exactly. So I hope we get to hear more about DaBaby. Um, Me too. I'd, preferably more shootings. Um, I don't mm. need to hear any more of his music. but <laughs> I want to hear about these lineup of huge new artists that he was going to grandfather into the future. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. His, uh, baby Productions or whatever it was, the well, diaper yeah, publishing industry that he... Correct. Well, 2021, I don't think there's any dub baby artists featured this year, but maybe next year, 2022, maybe yes. 2023, maybe into the, the actual future. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the table for sure. sure. Um, can you tell me what the biggest film of this of the year is? I can't, I, I've, I've just actually. asked you. I've just asked you off off the, off forgot, the top of the dome. I forgot to look it up. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, got a bit distracted. Because um, I mean, the, the thing it is about um, 2021 biggest film, uh, most people were still locked up. You know, um, so it was sort of weird, well yeah. in, in Australia, in Melbourne particularly. So the cinema, people were not going back to the cinema. So not the biggest yet, no. the biggest film of the year was probably something on. 
you know, Netflix, Netflix like it a could sort have of, been. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the one where Sylvester Stallone has to break out of prison, <laughs> something like that? Like the third edition. You're gonna of have to be more specific. <laughs> I think um, um, there was a one. Oh, well, there were a bunch of. There was the One Division TV show that was really big. Oh yeah. That was what Marvel did instead of because nobody could go and watch their giant movies. The Superman, their uh, superhero movies. So they did a superhero TV show. They took the oh, money yeah. from that, and that was pretty good, actually. I think it was probably better than a lot of their actual movies, to be honest. I with. think um, Spider Man No Way Home apparently was the biggest gross. Oh, film, okay, so yeah. I think I watched that through a drunken haze at some point. Yeah, yeah. So look, <laughs> nothing to report that. Um, didn't I thought? Didn't we do a song? Was it? Did we do a song for that last year in twenty twenty? A Spider Man song? Was it oh, another Spider Man film? I think it was a, so, a, a couple of years back. There was um, Post Malone. Post Malone and another guy did a song from a different Spider Man film. Yes, there's no, so many. The, it, I know they did the one. They did the animated one. Oh, okay. The, yeah, which and is Spider Man No Way Home. Is this is uh, Tobey Maguire back for this one? Or? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Garfield, weirdly enough, no, it's um what the new guy Tom Holland and oh. a bit of uh, Robert Downey Jr. and a bit of uh, Marissa Tomei doing some hot milf action. Fantastic, not that, enough that really. Could have made the whole film about that, frankly, but for sure. So look, um, yeah, that's I'm good just to see. having a look at 2021. Mm. Uh, it started out with an attempted fascist coup that almost spelled the end of the Western democratic experiment and went downhill from there, frankly. <laughs> so I thought instead we could take a look at something a bit more lighthearted. Oh, yeah. Uh, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, or 11-9 <laughs> oh, as we yeah. call it in Australia, <laughs> and have a moment's silence for some bands who were tragically affected when those buildings collapsed. Yeah. Uh, English rock band Bush changed the name of the lead single off their 2001 album Golden State from Speed Kills to The People That We Love. Completely unnecessary. Speed Kills. I don't know. It was a, it was a touchy time. Yeah, totally. Also, the cover art had an airplane on it, so yep. they changed that. Uh, before the 9-11 attacks, American DJ and media personality <coughs> um, DJ Khaled <laughs> Mohammed Khaled often referred to himself as DJ Khaled dash the Arab attack. Uh, he <laughs> dropped that tagline out of concern about offending victims and definitely not because he wanted to sell more records. Uh, the, I forgot about that. The yeah. American CD release of the Strokes debut album, Is This It, was delayed and had its track list amended with the song New York City Cops being removed and replaced with another track called When It Started. Mm. In case you're not familiar with the post 9-11 zeitgeist, uh, it was a time when the lyric New York City Cops Ain't Too Smart was considered traitorously deviant oh, and no. you know dangerous to humanity. Yeah. Uh, Hip hop band The Coos, uh, who I quite like, their album Party Music originally featured art depicting two of the band's members apparently bombing the World Trade Center. Oh no! And was scheduled for release in September. Damn. Uh, the album was delayed so they could change the cover art. It's funny uh, how it was okay to want to bomb the World Trade Center until someone actually did, and then it was like, <laughs> can't put that in your album cover. Before that, no one gave a flying fuck. It's like, blow away, blow it up. Don't care. The, the cover artwork of Dream Theater's live album, Live Scenes from New York, released on September 11, 2001, originally depicted the skyline of New York City in flames. Oh, uh, they recalled that and changed it. They also changed the name of one song from uh, their next album, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, The Great Debate, which discusses stem cell research controversies, <laughs> but was originally called Conflict at Ground Zero. Oh, no. Uh, American rock band Jimmy Eat World changed the name of their album, Bleed American. 
which was released on July that year, so they called it back and changed it, uh, re-released it as just Jimmy E. World. Yeah. Uh, title track was renamed Salt, Sweat, Sugar, which in a poll of victims' families uh, was actually voted worse than several other options, including Al-Qaeda blowing up live, <laughs> Osama bin Skankin, and the Tora Bora law ignorer. Uh, on the positive <laughs> side, uh, Christian rap metal band P.O.D. Uh, released their album Satellites on September 11, 2001, yep. uh, spurring success for the album and its lead single Alive. Oh, how could you forget it? which was seen as having a positive message in the aftermath of the attacks. Definitely. Uh, Particularly for those that were still alive. That's right. Victims didn't get to sing along, unfortunately. Not to feel bad because God wanted you to survive. That's right. Uh, Also, the Slayer album God Hates Us All came out unchanged. Oh, good. Including the song God Send Death. Yep. Uh, On the downside, Nickelback's Silver Side Up was also released on September the 11th, 2001. And some critics said that How You Remind Me was the musical equivalent of flying a loaded passenger plane into a crowded building. (laughs) Effectively, Like 9-11, a lot of people have never recovered from that that incident. Oh, and just a short note, uh, there were a lot of films in the aftermath had uh, their, were tweaked or changed or had their release dates pushed. Yep. But a a handful were actually completely cancelled. Uh, a Jackie Chan film called Nosebleed, which was about a window washer on the World Trade Center who foils a terrorist plot, oh. was due to start filming on September the 11th, 2001. Yeah. Strangely, that never made it to production. That's a shame. Uh, James Cameron planned to make a sequel to True Lies, oh. but cancelled the project after the attacks, saying that terrorism is no longer something to be taken lightly. <laughs> uh, I'm glad he pointed that out because Good. it gave me that bump pushing the back to finally stop throwing those terrorist themed dress up parties in that burnt out mosque next to the police station that we used to do every weekend oh for sure I mean and I was generally quite ambivalent to terrorism I know, you know me now, too. then James Cameron pointed that out and I'm like, you're right mate you're right uh, and lastly there were plans to have a sequel to Forrest Gump which oh. was a massive success just recently before the attacks but after the attacks Eric Roth Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks said that the story was no longer relevant and it felt meaningless as opposed to the first one, of course, which was an incisive exploration of contemporary life with lots to say about the present and not just more fucking boomers giving themselves a metaphorical hand job from a hippie with AIDS. <laughs> yeah. So, sadly, we never got to see Forrest, Forrest Gump 2 too. run Forrest X run, you uh, know, or whatever it would be called. <laughs> Too fast, too forest, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> I, I the gumpening. So. Definitely uh, too fast, too forest, I think. Revenge sure. of the box of chocolates, that's, perhaps. That's, you know, that's disappointing. Um, I can't recall, you know, say, Katrina and the Waves being forced to change their name after <laughs> the tsunami that occurred just a few years no, before. It. You it know, was... like, it seems like every other event that's ever happened yeah. proceed as usual. But with this, it's like, whoa. It's really weird. I think people... If you weren't around at the time, like if you were, if you're Gen Z or you're millennial and you were too young to remember it, might be hard to remember how touchy people were in that, like the year after that. Particularly Americans. You know. <laughs> oh, Americans, yeah. But anything, to, you know, I mean, they they have a hegemony over the pop, yeah, over the pop culture in a lot of ways. And yeah, they yep. were so touchy. So if you were involved with Americans in any way or American, then you, I mean, there were people saying like. Should we be showing movies at cinemas? You know, should bars yep. be open? Should, you know, like it, it just seemed like, 
you know, any form of anybody doing anything fun seemed like, you know, blasphemy somehow because some people died. You know? Yeah, exactly. It was a weird time. It was, for sure. For sure. Oh, well, I'm glad that we get to um, relive the 20th anniversary <laughs> of that, which is nice. Uh, it's something positive rather than just, you know, mm. pandemic talk or whatever. So, yeah, definitely. All right, should we get on to the songs? Yeah, please. That's All right, enough for me. Cool. 4th of Jan uh, for one week. It's 24 Carat Golden featuring Ian Dior. Mood back again. Yes. I thought we'd seen the last of this, but I was wrong. <laughs> Two more I weeks. I suspect we've seen of the last trash. of both of those artists, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's good to see this back again. I mean, when you get down to it, chicks, Ben, what are they on about? Yeah, you know? I know. And why do they take so long in the toilet? You know, if yep. only there was some way to find out. Yeah, I mean, this, this song is effectively just, yo, bitch, you on the fucking rag. <laughs> In music format. Pretty much. So what are sort your of, emotions about? So, um, yeah. It's dog shit, but effectively. Hey, it was catchy. You yeah. Know. <laughs> sure. But the music video was good if you wanted to see what a guy's crotch looks like from yeah. two feet away. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think you're right. This might be the last we see of 24K Golden <laughs> and Ian Dior. All but, right. um, so what have know. we got uh, in terms of... So, 18th of Jan, first new song of the year, 2021. It's Olivia Rodrigo with driver's license, Tom. Sure is. Six for weeks. six solid weeks. Mm, that's her first appearance on the Australian charts. Mm-hmm. First single and third track on her debut album, Sour. Yep. Uh, and the rumour is that this is about moving on from her previous relationship with her high school musical co-star, Joshua Bassett, Whoa. by doing the one last thing that she promised him, getting her driver's licence. Fantastic. Now, if you're wondering who the fuck is Joshua Bassett, uh, he's currently starring in the Disney Plus original series High School Musical colon The Musical colon The Series, which ah. is its actual name. Good. And the third single for his self-titled EP, Lie, 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 went viral due to rumours that the song was about his high school musical co-star and alleged ex-girlfriend, Olivia Rodrigo. Goodness of me. This song fame. So she did she release the song first and that was like his response track or like a disc? I'm not quite sure mm. of the timing about yep. that. I okay. think he might have gone first. Yep. But if you're wondering who the fuck is Olivia Rodrigo, then I mm. can't really help you. Uh, <laughs> let's just say that in the early eighties, Disney researchers perfected a glutinous quasi organic compound which, when heated to exactly forty seven point nine degrees, begins to extrude blobs of plink, fleshy material, yep. which, after having teeth glued in, became known as Mouseketeers, yeah. and can then be hot-swapped into Disney productions for the remainder of their lifespan, mm-hmm. which can be anything from 15 to 80 years, depending on how good their dealer is. Yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah, I think Olivia Rodrigo and Joshua Bassett are both... Uh, from that original. Yeah, they, yeah you're right. They it's dished. like a sourdough starter, you know. They've just got <laughs> right. one in the laboratory and every so often they just push a couple out the door. Yeah, and, yeah. so they may have ditched the Mouseketeers themselves, um, but you are correct. Disney just pull out an array of kid-friendly... <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's technically it's television, but really it, it has yeah. about as much creativity in it as sort of like a, an insurance commercial, I'd tend to say. Yes. But So yeah, she, Olivia uh, Rodrigo, as you said, Tom, she is one of these Disney people that started off in that. Um, born in 2003. Yeah. So she's born this millennium. Yeah. Um, and so she was only about 17 or 18 when this single dropped, as you said, her first um, straight to number one. So she joins that illustrious group of people who scored a number one with their first single, you know, 
some of the biggest names around. Vanilla Ice, Snow, <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus, Kesha, you know, those mm-hmm. people. First single number one, they kept going. Um, but as you said, she started off as a child actor. Um, she was in that high school musical, the musical, the series, yep. with her ex-boyfriend, um, as you mentioned. But she actually got her start, Tom, on uh, Bizardvark. Bizardvark. Featuring Jake Paul. So you know it's good. <laughs> it's... Um, was it's a web uh, yeah, so it's <laughs> no, no. It's a Disney series called Bizarre Vark with Jake Paul, where they live in like a fictional like vine house. Okay. Like if that, so they're sort of online people present in there. So it's a show of them okay. being young people being like creatives. <laughs> And it sounds fucking garbage. So, but anyway, so she got started on that. This would be for tweens. For tweens, but um, after doing that and uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series for a bit, she decided, Tom, to get into music. Mm. And here we are. I mean, she can sing. Oh, yeah. You know, she's got a bit of a wish than some of the people this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, does it make me sound extremely old that this reminded me of like a sort of not as good version of Boys of Summer by Don Henley? Kids are still into that DJ Sammy remix. <laughs> yeah, that definitely. That was only like 15 years ago, I'm sure. When yeah. she was, what, four? <laughs> so, yeah. I can't blame Rodrigo for not, Rodrigo for not being up on Don Henley because no. she was 18 when she wrote this. Yeah. Uh, I can forgive her for having a bit of wallow in the self-pity and betrayal of that first major dumping you know, we were all young once, and it, yeah, you know, your first partner, you're either going to have to break up with them when you don't have the emotional equipment to do it, or they're going to dump you when you, you know, don't know what to do about it, and you just sit in your room writing sad songs, or, you know. Oh, look, exactly right, exactly. Look, as you said, lyrically, it's, it's sort of that coming-of-age story. Yeah. It's, you know, a story as old as time itself. She gets a driver's licence, as you said, the, the boyfriend from High School Musical, the musical, the series... She promised him she would do that and they yeah. would spend some time together. And look, it turns out, you know, it's an exciting life event, getting your driver's <laughs> license, getting to go out and about. When you're 18 Of course, yeah, of course. Sure. You know, you sort of, rather than being tethered to sort of your, your suburb mm. or your neighbourhood, it gives you the chance to get out there and do more things. And look, but it, it turns out that her ex-boyfriend in this situation... Those glorious three weeks they spent together in the summertime where she thought it would last forever, but turns out that it didn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. just because you made out with some dude in the KFC car park after watching <laughs> Trolls 2, Trolls World Tour, doesn't mean it's carved in stone, no. Tom. She probably thought that would mm. last forever, but it didn't. So she's driving around in, you know, the song. She's looking at all the things that, you know, all the places that they... Yeah used to go to, you know, she'd go past a place where they'd, they'd drink a milkshake, for example. They'd go past another place, you know, where she'd go and, you know, drink a Monster Energy drink. She'd go, <laughs> she'd like that park bench. She'd yep. drive past the bit, you know, where he finger blasted her after they went to see the high school dance trope interpretation of Trolls 2, Trolls World <laughs> Tour. They did that. Um, and, and she also repeatedly, in the lyrics, drives past his house like some sort of stalker. Yeah. But I think fortunately, that's the bit that reminded me of Don Henley as well. <laughs> yeah. He mentions that repeatedly. Fortunately, like, yeah. the gender roles are in this situation where Olivia Rodrigo yeah, driving past his okay. house repeatedly is, is okay. <laughs> but if the, if it was the other way and it was mm. the dude from High School Musical, the musical, the series, <laughs> driving past her house repeatedly, he would be cancelled. 
possibly in prison um, yep. or maybe a champion of incels everywhere on Twitter. You mm. don't know which way it's going to go. So that's how the song goes um, in terms of, you know, the concept of that. Yep. Musically, it is very simple. There's like about two notes yeah. on the piano for about the first three minutes. Then some drums kick in and it sort of picks up a bit at the yeah. end. So there's it's kind sort of a power-ish ballad. There's some sort of soft electro production. I, yep. I was, I mean, I was thinking, you know, if you're going to write a song about this kind of basic sort of you know love first love stuff you might as well borrow from taylor swift who's the current sort of of mainstream master of it which is kind of seems like what she's done here and then given her age it's quite possible that she just grew up listening to taylor swift as well the idea that the idea that there are people young enough to have done that now is slightly disturbing but you know yeah i thought this could have been a lot more embarrassing than it is for that it's like it sort of um it doesn't aim too high, but it kind of it gets it what it's going for. Yeah, like even like you say, I mean, the, the, the subject matter is as simple as it would seem coming <laughs> from someone who's never really experienced anything in life other than getting dumped once. But you know, everybody is familiar with that feeling of when you're going out with someone and you start doing something with them, you know, whether it's, oh, hey, let's rewatch all of Buffy or whatever, yep. and you get halfway through <laughs> it and then you find yourself afterwards watching Buffy on your own thinking, oh, we started this with someone else, you know, yeah, yep. was more fun when they were here, kind of, you know. It's not, I'm not saying it's fucking Sartre, but it's, <laughs> but it's no. um, it, you know, at least it's a, a recognisable thing. Oh, yeah. of course, she's she's got the licence, she's driving past all the places I used to hang out <laughs> that makes her a bit sad. But don't worry, because she's in Bazaar Vark, she's in High School Musical, the <laughs> musical right. series, she's, she's got an album, she's got a number one Jake single, Paul. she's yep. touring the world playing the music, and she's 17 years of age. So yep. she doesn't have too much to be no, too sad no. about, <laughs> because I'm sure she will find love again at some stage yeah. in the future. Well, so. if she's any student of... Uh, uh, lifestyle the way she is student of musical influence of yep. Taylor Swift the first thing she should do immediately right now is start banging Hollywood stars oh without doubt especially when they're like 20 years older than her because then it inevitably won't work and then she'll have more material for the next album yeah exactly Plus, you know humble brag I fucked you know Jake Paul or whoever. Yeah, well, Jake has got access to Jake Paul. Actor's going to be. Yeah, well, unfortunately, she should have fucked Aaron Carter, but that ship has sailed. That <laughs> oh, dude's in the fucking ground now. Sad. So, which is R.I.P. So, dreadlocks. Yeah, exactly. Look, she she said that she grew up listening to her fa- her parents' favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt. Pearl Jam, The White Stripes, and Green Day. God, I'm getting old. So that's her parents' favorite <laughs> bands. Um, but she hasn't really seem to have taken many of those influences Not on, on this, this song. song. No. But maybe on others yeah. we'll get to because um, hopefully she does a bit of a gnarly Eddie Vedder type <laughs> in one of her other songs, <laughs> ideally, but we'll wait and see. But look, it is good to see because um, this gives us a bit of an American, you know, take because we grew up obviously not in America and we know that in the US um, it's a very big country. Yeah. Australia's a big country but America's big, as big as Australia but... There's like 350 There's million more people stuff in it. it. Yeah. There's just, you know, and people can grow up in, in places that, you know, you might grow up in, you know, say a big city, but you're like in the suburbs, you're like an hour away from the yeah. city. So it could feel quite sort of isolating, I think. So 
I understand this sort of, yeah, it's great. Now we get to sort of go around and do stuff and have the car. And in America, everyone drives. No one fucking walks. Yeah. No one, you know, rides a, rides a scooter. No I mean, one does that in, shit. Even so. in Tassie, where we grew up, when people, I didn't get my license till much later, but almost all of my friends got their cars when they were 16 or 17 yep. because there was no public transport, really. So if you wanted to do anything, yep. you had to get lifts everywhere. And so the sudden suddenly being able to have your car was a big thing. Oh, you know? absolutely. Like, yeah. And I think this song would have been quite different, Tom, had it have been um, written by someone in Launceston or whether <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo would sort of pen yes. the song about getting a driver's license would have in had Launceston. a lot more references to the Tamer Rowing Club yeah you know it would have she the, would have the best places to buy booze where they don't ask for driver's yeah, license yeah she would have gone through the pizza pub car park yes. asked for a half Mexican half Aussie <laughs> tried to get a sixer of um, Mercury Black probably yep. the hard cider at 8% that was like the, the, the hardest <laughs> shit you could get back in those days um, they would have asked for ID she would have said oh I don't have it but you know sort of just if, if, if the top was tight enough they mm. might have just given it to her it would have been okay um, and then maybe an ex-boyfriend was working in the bottle shop anyway and just went fuck it okay I'll just give it to you don't tell anyone um, and then you know you end up getting invited to a party you find out it's on Speedy Tyres Corner just in a car park mm. and then you might get your tyres <laughs> slashed because you looked at someone the wrong way wearing a sleeveless cr- cradle of filth shirt so <laughs> that's a different take on getting the driver's well, license well I believe but- that's the material that's going to be covered in your uh, hard uh, what was it your hardcore album oh my beatdown hardcore beat album beatdown yeah. hardcore album dealing with explicitly explicitly Launceston <laughs> correct yeah exactly for sure does that outfit have a name yet because I uh, think... 7250 Tom is <laughs> the name of that band postcode so yes I've got, I've got the problem yes, is though so. it's currently July which gives me si- I've got to get three albums out by the end of this year I've got to get down I've got to get out a beat down hardcore album that's right I've got to get out my Eurodance album because that Eurodance right. renaissance is it's growing Taylor Swift's just about to pounce on it right I mean now. when I was when I was talking about the Eurodance when we started talking mm. about it no one was doing it now everyone's no, doing it so right. we're going to look like Johnny come lately's <laughs> when really we were sort of there from the beginning that's right so yeah I've got oh, I've only got two albums to, to come out you know my puss rock sort of driver's <laughs> license crying about shit album I can sort of park for now I think because yep. Olivia Rodrigo sort of taking care of it so yeah anything else to say about this lyrical highlights uh, lyrical highlights uh, is credited to Rodrigo and producer Dan Negro who is somehow a white guy ah. uh, I got my driver's license last week just like we always talked about because you were so excited for me to finally drive up to your house but today I drove through the suburbs crying because you weren't around and you're probably with that blonde girl who always made me doubt. She's so much older than me. She's everything I'm insecure about. Mm. Which is sort of, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna write a song when you're 17, you know, play a straight bat. That's yep. that's good. That's what I say. Like, you know, she's not aiming above, you know, she's just describing exactly. a thing. Reading those lyrics, I felt a bit sorry for uh, Cardi B, oh. who's now cruelly deprived of the title driver's license. Uh, to produce an entire song about dudes comparing the colour of her vag hair to her weave <laughs> and the many excellent metaphors that would ensue from that. She uh, probably still could, I think. So. Oh, I reckon. But, yeah. you know, everyone would think she was just ripping off Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, no She's doubt. She's sure as shit wouldn't be satisfied with something this vanilla. I don't no, think. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. All right, so. Now, let's, let's move on. Unless you've got our numbers. 
Oh, I don't. I oh, forgot. Right. No, I forgot to look up what's going on on Spotify. Um, I, assume she's, on, CDs I assume she's got a fucking anyway. heap of listeners on Spotify. I mean, that, that goes She probably does. Design, so. Yeah. She yeah. seems to have just come out of nowhere, but I... I don't think it's worth doing the Discogs thing anymore because I don't think any of this would have any sort of physical media. No, that's I mean, right. So. I'm so out of the loop these days that when I do hear a song like that and realise, oh, I have heard this several times before, you know, that, that I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm surprised. But, yeah, yeah, know, absolutely. It, so. it obviously shows that if it can fight through my powerful apathy towards the, the current charts mm. <laughs> and oh, yeah. get into my ears enough to make me hear it, you know, like, like for instance, this next song I've never heard, you know. 53 million listeners she has. So there you go. And, and, and she was born in 2003, so she That's turns 20 crazy. this year. So. That's getting up to like Rihanna territory. Yeah, exactly. like exactly. a teenager. Yeah, well, I, yeah, these are songs for teenagers, so it's all good. Man, those Disney flesh blobs go a long <laughs> they way. They do, absolutely. So, yeah, as you said, six weeks of that. So next song, One March. Um, how many weeks for this one, Tom? Six weeks. Six weeks again. Uh, yeah, weirdly... Uh, yeah, plus five more weeks at the start of next year. Oh, yeah, yeah. It comes back next year. Well, I should just cover that quickly. <laughs> there's there's like four songs this year that overlap into next year. Oh, yeah. It's like there's sort of like a nine-month contest between a bunch of these different songs where they keep going down and coming up and going down and coming up. So we'll just give you the overall totals. But Correct, yeah. Yep. So six weeks total yep. uh, um, this year anyway. This year, yep. So this is uh, Glass Animals Heat Waves. Yes. Tom. Now, this song was voted the number one on the Triple J Hottest 100 of the previous year. Uh-huh. So, at the end of 2020. So, it probably benefited from proximity bias in the voting, but obviously had alternative crossover appeal somehow. So, this yep. is a alternative hit and a, a mainstream hit. Uh, they also had a big hit with the horrifically named song, Gooey. Oh. from their first album in 2014, which was a platinum hit on the Billboard charts in the US somehow. Go. I feel like Cardi B missed out on another potential <laughs> song title Did there too. What? Also, the video for Gooey is worse than you would imagine from the title, which is somehow impressive, almost. <laughs> but yeah. Glass Animals are supposedly an indie rock band uh-huh. from the UK, but if this is indie rock, then all I can say is it sounds a fuck sight like a bunch of random white dudes trying extremely hard to copy Derulo's last hit, mm. down to the American accents, faux Islander delivery, overuse of auto-tune, and total lack of any recognisable instrumentation at all. Yeah. If you're actually after UK indie rock, then... Blue Weekend by Wolf Alice came out this same year and fits that description a lot better than whatever this is does. It may be that their genre is just too cutting edge for people Tom, to yeah. classify it. Um, yeah, I, yeah the, the dude's um, vocal... I wasn't sure where the accent was coming from. I know. From, it's so, weird, isn't yeah. it? Is that, I was like, is this Eurotrash doing... <laughs> is it Eurotrash doing a Jamaican accent yep. or is it a, a, someone doing American or an actual American in Britain or something? Yep. Yeah. He sounded, he sounded uh, similar to Snow, almost. <laughs> yes, <laughs> kind of. weird sort of placeless yep. accent. I listened to some of their other stuff. Different to this, or this yeah. is the only song of theirs I've ever heard? Maybe this song just isn't the best representation okay. of what they're trying to do with their sound, just okay. like, like whether you like it or not. Like, a song like Youth, I think, has a lot more interesting production, and I think it kind of captures better the sort of, yep. the sort of delicate kind of millennial indie retro futurist electro vibe okay. thing 
I'm trying not to keep using the term vaporwave because <laughs> it seems like they're trying to get on the vaporwave train about five to ten years late. Oh, at least ten years too late. But yeah. yeah, it's got a kind of retro. This song just sounds like just a sort of to me it just sounds like a kind of low effort electro thing yeah yeah but the, yeah. the wildest thing um that i discovered tom while researching for sure. this track is that in the history of the aria charts mm-hmm. from 1983 to the present as you may know from our podcast theme song um this the this song has been on the so in terms of time spent in the mm. top 100 this song um is the Second longest running song ever. Oh, so, in terms of in the total. Yep, it's top been 100. it's been on the charts for 135 weeks. Fucking hell! As we speak, so, so in the top hundred, more than two full years. This song, yeah, this song 100. has been in the top hundred for two two and a half years. Yep. Wow. Um, beaten only by uh, "Blinding Lights" by the weekend that we talked oh, about okay. last week. Yeah. So yeah, so it has longevity, as every, you could say. Every year, we just get more proof that now, because of the way music's measured and now, yet, songs just hang around. With, with streaming, exactly. The exact they have a very opposite long tail. of what I would have thought of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There's more music out. There's more chance to listen to diverse songs, mm-hmm. but it turns People out people supposedly yeah. have shorter attention spans. It's yeah. easier to get access to music, but but yeah. it's just like re- re- yeah, super long tail on this no. one. 135 weeks in the charts. Yeah, two and a half years, and I think it's still in there now. As yeah. we speak in 2023. I, mean, so. I didn't hate this, but it's just it's just kind of nothing. Like I said, it's not even the best song of theirs that I looked at just by listening to a Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it at all. Like, I don't mind it, but it's just one of those things that's like, if someone said, what's the, what's the lo- what song yeah, been on the exactly. ARIA charts <laughs> the longest in the, in the last 40 years and you went this, I'd be like, yeah. oh, really? What? I mean, even Blinding Lights makes more sense. It's, that's yeah. got a more uh, sort of iconic yeah. vibe and it's, yeah... Absolutely. So yeah, look, it's racked up uh, two billion streams on the Spotify. Fucking Went viral on TikTok, I believe. God, I'm so sick of hearing so, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the and it also that's the theme of the the 2020s so far is. And it yeah. also hit the top of the Billboard charts uh, in the US, the top 100, yep. after its 59th week. Wow. Which was the longest run to the top of the charts. So, the, but yeah, like I said, they had this surprise number one. In 2014, so yep. that's six years between the two, which is a decent chunk of time. I think they had another full album between those yep. two things, but yeah, it's still clearly they they've got UK and US appeal. So whatever this sound is that they're trying to do, people do like it. You know, absolutely, Tom. Look, I will say that um, the video is one of the better pandemic era videos, <laughs> and I say that because it isn't shot over Zoom. Or using True. some intentionally kitsch yes. green screen that after the hundredth video doing that, you'd think someone would interject and say, "Hey, let's not do like a shitty <laughs> yeah. green screen thing." So, and look, the video, from what I could ascertain, um, the the lead vocalist of the Glass Animals, <laughs> mm-hmm. he'd obviously told his neighbours. He said, "I'm I'm going to be walking down this street <laughs> at this time. Get your fucking camera phones out." Mm-hmm. So they've all filmed the him walking down the street. And yep. then they've hand, given him the footage and then they've just edited the footage together of like... So there's sort of them yeah, filming him in the street, him filming them, more and, then, <laughs> and then everyone's inside because they're yeah. locked inside and then there's a bit of that. And if you think that sounds boring, uh, it's because it fucking oh is. God, it is. But it's better than the other pandemic videos because the alternative ones are Ed Sheeran in a Hawaiian shirt standing in front of an obviously green screen beach and someone just went let's do that 
or two people doing a collaboration on Zoom. Yeah, also, so this, this is not great, but no. the other ones are generally so dog shit that this has been yeah. raised up to like, oh, remember that Glass Animals video? That wasn't too bad. No, you You're wrong. A, you make a good point. I, I had forgotten the, the, the COVID aspect of... But then one of the reasons that I'd forgotten it is because not a lot of the other videos on here seem to suffer from it. No. You know, even even the kind of lower budget hip hop stuff, like they still managed to come up with something more interesting. The guy pushing a fucking wheelbarrow down, you know, the dullest street in London, then doing the world's least convincing rock out on an empty stage in front of a couple <laughs> yeah. of old TVs. Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean that shit makes Lady Gaga and James Hetfield with a broken mic at the Grammys look like the next <laughs> single from Pig Destroyer. Correct. Like he, he's he's doing that trying to rock out something that not only doesn't rock but doesn't even feature instruments yeah. or loud vocals. It's like trying to rock out, um, you know afternoon lo-fi beats to chill to like it doesn't matter how much you jump up and down it's, yeah it's not happening i sort of i feel like this is the kind of group you'd see at about 4 p.m at splendor on the grass yes, exactly on like yeah. sunday or something and there's um, nothing wrong with, no. with doing that like that as i said there's a hint with the production video and the album art if you see their like their previous stuff that they are going for a bit of that sort of vaporwave 90s stuff like yep. and with pastel colors and the kind of weird iconography and stuff like that which could have been interesting if they'd sort of committed to it instead of just having the lead singer push a fucking wheelbarrow down the street i mean even in covid times he could have been doing something more interesting yeah but i know? guess he'd seen the he'd seen the video clip of ed sheeran and, uh, uh, yes. and Justin Bieber where they're just them oh, in front oh, of a green right. screen yeah, with um, bad with, animation and like stuff a, yeah, yeah and just went oh fucking hell if this is what people <laughs> think's good then we can mm. probably do some shit what's uh, the uh, lyrics any, yeah, yeah uh, sometimes all I think about is you late nights in the middle of June heat, white, heat waves being faking me out can't make you happier now Sometimes all I think about is you, etc. Which, it, the chorus has that semi-catchy loop, which kind of evokes a sort of balmy summer night, maybe sweating through a, you know, 19-degree London heat wave, faking you out, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> what do you reckon, Ben? Did this make you want to buy a pastel polo shirt and a pair of Ray-Bans, then drink a pina colada in front of a neon palm tree? Yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think in terms of... Tropical House gets me to do that, Tom. <laughs> yeah. You know that. Whenever a Tropical House song comes on, I can't get enough of it. But this wasn't tropical enough. It no. wasn't house enough. No. That's... It wasn't electro enough. It was kind of... His vocals are a bit tropical, but... Um, and you, you're right. I, I used to live in the UK, and those heat waves are about 25 degrees, <laughs> so it sort of doesn't... I wasn't really getting that vibe yeah. either. I was I... saying, if this is the first thing you've heard, listen to some of their other stuff, maybe, because it's more... It's more effective at that kind of delicate sort of that retro electro thing that they're yep. going for. This one just it doesn't really come through on this. So no, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought. This so. is like okay beer garden music, I'd say. You know. Oh, like, for sure, for sure. This this comes on in a cafe. You know, when yeah. you, you've ordered the coffee, you're waiting for the you know the smashed sure. abo to show up or whatever, and then this comes on, and you, you're not mad about it. You're no. not running out the door. But, but if you said, "Would did this song have thirty no. billion Spotify listens?" No, I probably wouldn't say exactly. This. I would prefer Jack, Jack, Jackie, um, and nine. <laughs> 
90s dance version of yes, that preferable sure. you know that, or, that come on or something like that or Corona Rhythm yeah, of the Corona Night yeah Corona Rhythm of the Night yeah. um, Two Unlimited Mega Mix something like that would <laughs> be good right. better than this but it'll, sure. you know. um, apparently Tom the, the heat wave um, aspect it's about you know when you're on a highway and you get that the, the you know you get the wave uh, yes. sort of yep. heat distortion the, the heat thing, distortion yeah. yeah apparently it's um, he was inspired by that he got some heat distortion somewhere. Not in the UK, obviously. Okay. He would have had to have been somewhere else where it gets hot enough to I mean, get that on the road. It explains the title, but, he but sort it of, doesn't So really... apparently that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I read a bit more where he said, oh, the song's kind of about how um, it gets to... I had a girlfriend or something, we broke up, and then her birthday was in June. So every year it gets to June, and I feel a bit... Oh, okay. I remember that my ex-girlfriend's birthday's coming up, but then I realise we're not together, so I feel a bit sad about yeah. it. And then something about visual distortion on a highway and I went well those two things don't go together at I all but that's fine maybe the the popularity of this kind of vaporwave thing in the UK is to do with the fact that they're the first generation in British history who get to experience a tiny bit of warm weather yeah, due to global warming that's true so they may be the first generation to go ah oh, a shirt with a palm tree on it and no sleeves you know why don't I purchase Correct. one of them I can wear white jeans without worrying about <laughs> the bottom half of them getting snow and mud on yeah, them. You know? exactly. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So, look, I think, um, if anything, yeah, this song is a pro-global warming song. I yeah, think, so. well, I look forward to a large sort of yacht rock revival coming out from the UK, yep. you know, trust fund kids, you know, wearing sandals, covering the Doobie Brothers on their <laughs> parents' boats. You Purchasing know? vehicles that have very, very low <laughs> fuel efficiency That's so that they can push that temperature up even higher. So, correct. Sure. Uh, what have we got next? Um, next we have, is it just for two weeks, Tom? Yep. Uh, Justin weeks. Bieber featuring Daniel Caesar and Giveon? Giveon, I think, yeah. Peaches. Peaches. Yeah. Now, this sucks. Uh, I'm just going to yeah, throw it out it's, there. It's not now, Tom, for me, there's only one song <laughs> called Peaches, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. And that's by the Presidents of the United yes. States of America, Tom. Mm-hmm. They, this cannot compete with the sublime lyrical content of, I'm moving to the country, going to eat a lot of peaches, <laughs> moving to the country, going to eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come in a can, mm-hmm. they were put there by a man in a factory downtown. If I had my little way, I'd eat peaches every day. Yeah. The, the Presidency of the United States of America, they cut to the very core of what eating peaches is. Mm-hmm. You listen to that song, you know what it's all about, you know where you stand. It's a fun sing-along song that I think has stood the test of time mm. um, and I still I still would play this once or twice a week in my house. <laughs> sure. Uh, Bieber's Peaches, it's two years old and already I never want to hear no. it the fuck ever I, again. I didn't even hear this at the time, like I said, you know. Yep. Yeah, and Bieber's a, he's still a big artist, you know. He, he's big. He keep threatening, keeps threatening to vanish but then he'll pop up again, you know. Oh, he does. Yeah. Like, when there was that Bieber renaissance, I know people were sort of like, oh, he had, you know, he had his little kid phrase and then he sort of wasn't as popular yeah, and, then and, he then he ca- and then he came bad back. Stage, he bad boy stage. He one time. He pissed in a bin, exactly yeah, right. Threw an egg at a guy's And house. then he came back and I think people were sort of like, oh, you know, it's good that he's, yeah. he's been able to well, get he's over He's married now, he's a dad and yep. stuff like that. He still looks like a 12-year-old lesbian aunt, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, musically he's back in that trash period, though. Yes, no, none of this the, the relates to his quality. Over like, I think, like, like people like Drake and a lot of those producer-type yeah. producers slash artists, like, you know, Ed Sheeran somewhat as well, they just kind of drift along on the current of whatever... Yeah. 
inflection of pop music is at the moment, you know. So they'll just use their signature mm. voice and just attach it to, well, if dance hall's big this month, then we're doing dance hall. If it's, you know, UK funky, then I'm now I'm into UK funky, you know. Or if, oh, And yeah. if I can't do it myself, I'll borrow someone who can, whoever's hot, and I'll have them on my track. Anything that keeps me ticking over. Like Correct. fucking, like Derulo last week, who just like this, oh, this 14 year old on TikTok's blowing up. I'll just take that. You basically put stole him it. on the track and just, yeah, like whatever gets me back on the fucking charts again. Exactly, exactly. Bieber described uh, Peaches Tom as, quote, like a West Coast fun, uplifting, bouncing record <laughs> that you just kind of want to dance and move to. Now, yeah, the word kind of is kind, a lot of, kind heavy of exactly yeah. fun. Yeah, it's not that oh, fun. Upli- no. It's not uplifting. Well, bouncing, not really. And does it get you up and want to move? No, oh, fuck does no. None it's of not, those it's things. not a dance song or hip hop. Even West Coast is like I don't know. I know. I get my peaches down in Georgia. Exactly. Georgia's like. On the east yes. coast. Also, this song has nothing west coast about it. It's bullshit. Producer Harv, H A R V, whatever the fuck that yeah. is, said, "Peaches is really a testament to the times that we live in right now." <laughs> so Justin, Justin's on Instagram playing this piano melody and he's singing these lyrics, and immediately I put the fire emoji. So then, at the same time, Shundo who co-produced the record with me, sends me Justin's Instagram audio. I hit Shundo like, yo, we need to go in the studio right now. Let's go produce it. I text Justin what we did, like, this is what you did on Instagram. Justin FaceTimes me. He was like, yo, this is crazy. All of this happened in one day. He goes back to the studio, re-records his vocals, because the only vocal that we used was from Instagram, and writes a verse. Justin FaceTimes him again. He's like, yo, you're not going to believe this. I got Giveon to jump on the second verse. He writes his verse. I slap Givian's verse in, and then Daniel jumps on it, and the rest is history. <laughs> Provided Jesus. history is divided, <laughs> shit musical history. But it all started from Justin playing something on Instagram. No other songs to this magnitude happened like that. Mm. I could see if it was just an album cut for it to be a single, and then number one. That just shows you anything is possible now with technology. Yeah, like dickheads communicating faster than ever before. <laughs> also, we already had half a dozen songs just last year that came from TikTok videos, Instagram filters, and adult men closely monitoring children on YouTube. You know, you know what I mean? Like, this is not, it's not a new thing already. It's, you know, like we've mentioned TikTok like this year already in terms yeah. of, yeah. I mean, on the Jeez. one hand, I recognize the coolness of artists being able to like, completely outflank the recording industry yep. you know that shafted them for so long and just collaborate so fast like almost in real time yep. through the public sphere on the other hand none of that has anything to do with quality oh, in fact fuck no. usually high output speed is not a watermark of great art no, you know, exactly like, the fact that the bungalow loser at the pub who told you how Prince Philip was secretly reptilian is now capable of marshalling an army of like-minded fucklords with <laughs> one snap of his hideously long-nailed fingers does not make their subsequent anti-vax protest into groundbreaking performance art. Of course. You not. know? Exactly. But, yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, it is weird. On the one hand, it is kind of exciting. I, I get his enthusiasm for this, like, especially if you're on a few levels of fame down from yeah. Bieber, like I'm guessing that Giveon, Shundo and Daniel Caesar Salad, whoever the fuck they are, uh, yeah. were. But but yeah, at the same time, you're like... 
I mean, I did catch Justin Bieber again last week behind Ed Sheeran's house rummaging through the dumpster looking for <laughs> shredded bits of song lyrics that he could sticky tape back together. Old so dat not... tapes and like thumb yeah. drives. He might have some rejected songs on it or something that he can get out. So yeah, look, you're right. Um, I should follow Justin on Instagram by the sounds Clearly. of it so that when he busts out some piano horseshit, I can just throw some Euro beats <laughs> over the top that I'd pre-downloaded off someone else's sort of, you know, page, oh mesh them together, then just FaceTime him. Just go, yo, Justin, check out what I did with this. And then he'll be, then he'll be FaceTiming me and he'll be like, I'll tell you over here. Doesn't it make you wonder too, like, how quickly this is going to happen in the future? Like, like, fucking record company, publishers are just going to have like an AI thing that just monitors any song it doesn't recognise oh, yeah. as being legally anything a song that recognises being legally distinguishable from an existing song e.g. something new on any channel that has more than a hundred as soon as it ticks over to a hundred thousand views it's just going to go ding on there it's like quickly pay whichever teenager wrote this, on this and then just tell them we'll give them 500 bucks and put their name on the track and then you know yeah, well, why bother writing anything when we can farm it out to a bunch of bedroom DJs and shit? Exactly. Look, uh, I know that's it's a terrible way to write music, and the end product ends. You know, you see what yeah what you end up with something terrible. I mean, so. it doesn't necessarily have to mean it's going to be bad, but it no. certainly doesn't mean it's going to be good necessarily either. Yeah, exactly right. Look, Bieber went on to launch a weed brand called Peaches. Of course, Tom. he did. Um, because obviously the, the lyrics of this song, you'll probably touch on them later, but he starts off going, I get my peaches down in Georgia. Yep. 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 Which is fucking annoying. <laughs> then he sure goes, is. I get my weed in California. Yep. Yep. And <laughs> then he released, um, so yeah, he's got his, his weed brand called peaches. So I shoot at this song. Um, obviously, you know, Daniel Caesar and Giveon might not agree with me, but it seems that this was a little bit more or less a marketing tool. Um, and like all marketing tools to sell, Marijuana. It is devoid oh. of any creativity or originality or self awareness so or his real anything. Weed brand was pre this. No, no, after. So oh, I think okay. he had the song uh, blew up, yeah. and by you know blow up, I mean goes to number <laughs> one for five minutes and drops off the face of the planet because people realise it's dog shit. But mm. then I think he went, oh, I'll do a, a marijuana brand called Peaches. Yeah, because of that. So look, this is kind of the musical equivalent of of antimatter I guess it exists but no one really knows exactly <laughs> what right. it is or what it consists of so I suppose it's just the next logical step from having a celebrity tequila brand is oh exactly exactly look the only thing positive I can say about Peaches Tom is that it's significantly better than Yum Yum that's only give me some of that Yum 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 oh, Yum God, that was Justin's um, oh, single God. Immediately prior to oh, this, I Christ. believe, released off the same album. <laughs> Give me some of that. that yum, 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 yum. <laughs> um, that song sounds like as if Deliveroo created an MC Scat Cat for the Zuma generation, effectively. That's sort of what it is. So I was uh, thinking you were talking about uh, the song Can I Get a Little Yum Yum Liggy Liggy from Hot Action Cop. Oh, if One only. Of the many Post, 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 post grunge bands <laughs> along the lines of Zebrahead and Daughtry. <laughs> if only. You could choose if from only, in no. 2005. Yeah. No, exactly. No, that's sort of, yeah. Yum. I don't, maybe Yum Yum was used for like a, a um, <laughs> one of the ads for one of the... Deliveroo's defunct now. I don't know why I said Deliveroo. I think Deliveroo, there's a Chromio song that features the phrase Yum Yum yep. in the chorus uh, as a word for poontang. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is, now... 
Disturbingly, Tom, Peaches was nominated for a 2022 Grammy Song of the Year. Fuck knows how, because it is absolutely dog shit. But um, when it was nominated, it set a record for a nominated song, Song of the Year, in terms of the number of writers involved, Tom. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yes. I was going to mention that. 11 yeah. songwriters. Yes, So exactly. that's the most number of songwriters mm. that's ever featured on a Song of the Year nomination for a Grammy. Yeah. And Fortunately, as, it didn't win because um, that would be just ridiculous. But. As we said, yeah, as we said last week too, like, that. this isn't, this doesn't even count collaborators on the track like yep. people who play instruments and stuff which gives you some idea of yeah as you take credited to Justin Bieber Watt Daniel Caesar Giveon Harv Shundo Louis Bell Felicia King Sean Leon Kivan Yazdani and Vincent Massey yeah as you say that's 11 people that's the entire lineup of the Beatles plus S Club 7 of course yeah, definitely yeah do you think that when uh, Justin was FaceTiming the people to sort of yo check you know see what I've done do you reckon it, someone else has just accidentally added to the call like give <laughs> on like he added him in there and didn't and then he just went oh well he was he was in there uh, yeah. he was in the Zoom that's meeting that's true it was locked down was there so let's would... give him a songwriting credit he was in the room yeah. when we did it we didn't we accidentally added him we I did had, contribute sweet fuck all, but we I had a few a uh, Zoom parties in 2021. I think you were there yeah. for some of them as well. You probably had a few yourself where it's quite possible that during the course of that, we wrote a number one best oh, no song doubt. Yeah. and released it without ever even no, and not being completely unaware of having done that the next morning because <laughs> nobody could remember anything past about 8.45 p.m. at night. Yeah, when you've been trapped in your house for six months... Um, yeah, you you tend to write number one hits just like this time. They just sort of they just come out of you, I think. So because you got nothing else to do. Uh, the video for this, uh, oh good lord! Okay, yep, yeah, we've officially arrived back at the second '90s revival. Oh, but where, yes. by which I mean the millennial version, which is somehow, despite all laws of the known universe, somehow features worse clothing than the actual at the time of the 90s being one of the worst clothing periods that I've ever seen anyway Bieber is rocking a uh, half length Martin Bryant centre part under a beanie with a flanny pants that don't fit and op shop sneakers I think their track's Idaho Ben but they could be Dunlop KT26 okay uh, the colour palette is Vaporwave again, which doesn't match anything from the actual 90s. It's yep. actually more 80s. The fonts are terrible, and they're rolling past a fisheye lens in a low rider like the dog pound is still the hottest shit on the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As though just sitting in a low rider will somehow infuse the song with West Coast vibes when in fact it's this sort of synth fest yeah and unfortunately all this does is remind you that the one thing Bieber hasn't bothered to rip off from the 90s is good music yeah because this is fucking low effort hip house that sounds like the black eyed peas finally learnt about you know afternoon study beats to chill to yeah asking me seriously that this makes the fucking glass animals look hardcore this song yeah when you find out that this was written um, over FaceTime in 24 hours, it doesn't surprise you at no, all. You go, no, that's, that sounds no. Sounds right. No, that part makes sense. The yeah. fact that 11 people were involved does not make sense, and the part about the Grammys voting it best song yeah. of the year is fucking insane. Bieber obviously aligns himself with a lot of yes men that are just like, what, yeah. do, you, what do you think about this beat? Oh yeah, dude, that's sick. He does. Is it? No, no. 
It's it's weird. He's just but you want to get a songwriting credit on there so you can get one eleventh of the royalties that come out of Peaches. It's weird. I mean, I will credit some of these artists like Drake and Ed Sheeran. In the old days, we used to pin it on the producers. We'd say, oh, Max Martin, he's the mastermind. Stock Aiken Waterman, behind the scenes, they're the ones keeping these artists in the zeitgeist despite no actual evidence of talent or whatever for their own nefarious profit-based ends. Yep. But some of these guys seem to just have their own knack of just staying in the public. I mean, some of them are good manipulators of fucking social media, but others are just... Some of them are good collaborators. They pick, like us, like with Bieber, you know, he's good at picking someone to keep him in the limelight. But yeah, it just... It doesn't seem to have much relation to actual musical ability, you know. No, yeah. he needs another reinvention. I think it's about time. Me too. So it's sort of, I think um, it's time for his second bad boy period. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He should do what Vanilla Ice did and take five years off to grow dreadlocks and just smoke yep. a pound of weed a day. Yeah, definitely. Possibly yeah. see what K-Fed's up to these days. <laughs> yeah, He's probably no got doubt. a spare room above his garage. He probably does. Absolutely right. Uh, lyrics, uh, peaches come from a can. They were put there by... <laughs> oh, sorry, that was from the actual 90s. Hang on. Yep. I got my peaches out in Georgia. Oh, yeah, shit. I got my weed from California. That's that shit. I took my chick up to the north. Yeah, badass bitch. I get my light right from the source. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, Due to climate change, Georgia is now importing peaches. There was a news article about that yesterday. Oh, good. California can't grow grass, let alone weed, because they don't have any water. Hayley Bieber is the ballet school B-list catalogue model daughter of the star of Biodome. (laughs) She's about as badass as the bare-naked ladies (laughs) complaining that they got ripped off on a painting. And the last time Justin got his light from the source, the source was fucking Hillsong, who are now under their own light, e.g. the spotlight of Lady Justice for a variety of (laughs) creepy sex-related reasons. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure if I'd be bragging about any of that shit, frankly. Also, California, even as a weed smoker, any West Coast guy could tell you California is like the most cliched place to get your weed from. Even people who lived in California back then would brag about getting their fucking super hydro skunk from some crazy other place. Like up Colorado or some shit. Yeah, somewhere that everyone else hasn't heard of. Like California weed is like a joke from the 60s, you know. Anyway. It's like saying, I got my weed from the corner of Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. (laughs) Anyway. All right. What have we got next? Uh, 26th of April. It is Little Nas X. Sure is. Uh, Montero bracket. Call me by your name. End bracket, Tom. Only two weeks, but this had a bit more cultural impact than that might suspect. Probably because it was his follow-up to the massive smash hit Old Town Road. Tom... I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> sure. I think that's one thing about this podcast that, you know, I will backtrack when yeah. I think that I've said something that, that is You're a reasonable incorrect. Man. Correct. You know, I think you're right. Now, I had Little Nas X pegged as a one-hit wonder, and I may have said yes. that at the time. Yeah. Uh, but he's proved me wrong. He's back in business with Montero. Sure, the song sounds more like a vehicle than a song. <laughs> You know, got the new Ford Montero. I was going to make that exact oh, sorry, same joke. Sorry. I was also going to say it sounds quite a lot like a chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah, too, exactly. You know, Cadbury's Montero. Cadbury's Montero straight uh, from the fridge. You know. But he has proven me wrong. I thought, yeah. little Nas X, you'll do Old Town Road. You'll do a couple of shitty follow-ups that go yeah. nowhere. But here we are. Boom. Straight as, into number as one. As we were talking about, too, he 
maybe might have something to do with that as well. He's proven to be a bit of a master at um, uh, the social media game. Yes, like he's correct. A, he's a gun on Twitter. He comes right back at people in a way that'll get his shit yep. retweeted straight away. Yep. And he really has sort of kind of Mark branded himself as like the first super gay rapper. Oh, you know? absolutely. I mean, they have existed before, don't get me wrong, mostly on the DL, but there have been a few ones that were, were open about it, but like Kendrick Lamar, for instance, you know. But, but um, he, he like to fully go, he, you know, yeah. To, well, you're, um, you're absolutely right. One, um, do you think that's little Nas X on the Twitter or is it, do you think he's got some, he employs a guy who's just good at zingers who just gets <laughs> in there and hits it out? I hope it's him. I hope it's I him. I do that hope it's him. Punching yeah. out the responses. Yeah. But um, you're absolutely right. Like, I think there was a period of time where to be a gay rapper, uh, it was going to be detrimental to your career, so you just yep. didn't come out. But then little Nas X, he's ridden the wave where... It, Perfect timing for him to just be like, not yeah. only am I going to come out, I'm going to be as gay as I fucking yeah. can be. It's going to be my whole sort of, image. Yeah. Exactly right. Just to sort of, you know, so that the haters are going to mm. hate, as they say, Tom. Um, yes. And and he he will do that, <laughs> yes. which is awesome. So it's fantastic. Yeah. And he's what? just like saying, fuck you. This is who I am. Couldn't give a shit. Yeah. And this music video um, oh pushes goodness. it to yeah. the... The song itself is dog shit. I mean, I'm going to say that. Do you, I don't know whether you agree. It's, uh, it's, it's not, not a great song. It's not as, it's not as much... It not doesn't as much have fun. the catchiness of Old Town Road. No, no, no. It's but, not, yeah. not... The music... I didn't, didn't really like the song that much at all. But uh, the music video the whole, as pushes, package, it, pushes it yeah. to, to a new limit. So. Well, as we were saying, like, uh, the title takes... Um, the title takes its name from a very popular at the time movie about a gay guy coming out. Yep. Uh, the song is about how he wants to stop pretending with his significant other and act on a first name basis. And the other part of the title, Montero, refers to Little Nas X's real name, Montero Lamar Hill, mm. uh, and who wants to come out and start using his parents his partner's real name which is Gary Busey uh, the, the intro to the song also says it's simultaneously also the name of a utopia in the artist's mind where anything can happen much like say Nelly's Nellyville or Busey World which is where people on Angel Dust get together and discuss NFTs Busey World is mm. um, yeah it's good. that's a you've got to be brave to go into Busey World <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, to me Montero as you say also sounds like a mid-range SUV in a chocolate bar but maybe yep. that's just uh, me a little Nas X had this to say about the song Dear 14-year-old Montero, I wrote a song with our name in it. It's about a guy I met last summer called Gary, I assume, that we yep. promised to... Ne I know we never promised to come out publicly. I know we promised never to be that type of gay person. I know we promised to die with the secret, but this will open doors for many other queer people to simply exist. Yep. You see, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I'm pushing an agenda, but the truth is I am the agenda to make people stay the fuck out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be, sending you love from the future. And yeah, I like that he's kind of half acknowledging that something can be two things, e.g. that he can be doing this, you know, as a sort of branding exercise, but also because he feels like he sort of needs to do it. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Little Nas X later partnered with MSCHF, a mm. company that makes viral products, to make a special edition of Nike Air Max 97s yep. known as Satan Shoes. 
the shoes sold out in under a minute, and the final pair, number 666, was given out via a Twitter lottery. They were priced at $1,018, a reference to the Bible passage Luke 10:18, which reads, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yeah. Now, look, I... Mischief, I think... They'd also done the Jesus shoes, hadn't they? I think. Previously. Oh, was, okay. I think they had. They done. They had a pair of shoes um, that I think the sole. It was like another Nike Air one where I think the shoes were filled with like holy water or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. So they did that, and then they've come back with a little NASX yeah. Satan shoes. I mean, well. I don't blame. I, I own far too many pairs of sneakers, so far yeah. be it for me to judge. There was a time when like Axel's custom pony high tops or Run DMC's Adidas sponsorship represented you know the apex of rock stardom to, oh, to yeah. get that level of sponsorship but these days any old dickhead on the charts can do a collab on a one-off pair you know yep. little nas x joins the likes of selena gomez rihanna bad bunny cardi b pharrell travis scott Pusha t and of course kanye west oh yeah he previously worked with both nike and adidas but he's currently the face of a new shoe simply called the aerosport six million <laughs> which i'm too scared to ask what that's about but yeah <laughs> Um, he's, uh, yeah, I don't know who, who's going to be collaborating <laughs> with him in the footwear tier, but you know, he, he can. He's, I'm sure, he's got connections somewhere. Yeah. So, so the video directed by Tenu Muino and yep. Little Nas X. What did you make of it, Ben? Yeah, the video. I like the video. Um, it, it's 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 more fun than the song. As oh, you say, yeah, I reckon the song's it's, not very fun, but the video has a lot of. I mean, I think initially, uh, Little Nas X is killed. Well, he gets hit by a butt plug, I believe. So He's, he's dressed up like someone from uh, Drag Race Vienna or yep. something like that. And then, he, yeah, he seems to be in a sort of garden, a sort of extremely gay sort of Garden of Eden. And yeah, yeah he's killed everything's by... very biblically inspired, I think. So yes. for, perhaps through the whole video. So Very sort um, of Baroque. And, yep. yeah. Killed by a thrown butt plug, which I think is how Jesus went out. I'm not I, quite yeah, sure. Yeah, so, experts but, differ. Yeah, they do. People, people are still out. The jury's out on that one. But that's one of the theories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, what he rides a stripper pole to hell yep um, gives a lap dance to Satan I think so there's a lot of things in there so he's obviously saying couldn't give two fucks because obviously in America I mean the thing is people play it so safe in America that's sort of like they do I've got I don't want to alienate my yes probably highly Christian audience so I'm just going to do the safest shit you can do but if you're smart then that gives you this opportunity there's like always there's a permanent window there for permanent a Marilyn Manson type Alice Cooper type Kiss type figure to be the person that shocks you know, mainstream as you just have to be willing to take it on the chin when they come after you, which they will. Because you do that, and then you immediately get backlash. That goes without yes. question. You but get, you also become the subject of a million yeah. articles, and you get yeah. new satanic panic stuff. Yeah, probably. I and these days, it happens instantaneously. Yeah. You know, oh like yeah, the day so, after your video is released, yeah. you're getting talked about on the news. You know, oh, yeah. it's immoral, harmful for kids. Yeah. Some of that bullshit. Yeah. And then yeah, obviously, little Nas X is he's good on Twitter as you said he can respond to those people and then the music video gets way more views than it would have anyway because everyone's talking about all the Christians oh it's so oh no uh." I love that music video I, I, I frankly I thought it was kind of pretty much exactly it's the gay version of basically what I reckon the video of WAP was trying to do 
but didn't <laughs> quite manage to achieve, you know, yeah, yeah. possibly due to the presence of a Kardashian in it. <laughs> Those fucking hose beasts are talent kryptonite, Ben, and the sooner they retire to Epstein's former island, the better, I reckon. Oh, well, the Kardashian yeah. curse is real because... Um, any, yeah, it's not just sports players. No, yeah, it's no. anyone. They just vampirically suck up talent. It's crazy. Yeah, they are terrible. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of outrage, sorry, uh, got time for a quick outrage update, oh, which is becoming yeah. a regular segment. Yeah. Insanely, that should have died out in the 80s, but yeah. Please. Uh, supposedly, each of his sneakers featured a drop of human blood. Whoa. And Nike was forced to disown them <laughs> because they didn't do the collaboration. Each shoe featuring a tablespoon of child labour sweat was fine, though. They didn't <laughs> mind that. So. Uh, South Dakota Governor Chris Noam said, Our kids are being told that this kind of product is not only okay, it's exclusive. But do you know what's more exclusive? Their God-given eternal soul, Ben. Oh, yes. We are in a fight for the soul of our nation. We need to fight hard and we need to fight smart. We have to win, I guess, which is why I've decided to give these shoes a million dollars in free publicity. (laughs) Sneaker freaks, get at me. See you in the midnight queue for those box-fresh Yeezys. Peace out, players. Uh, Fox News mouthpiece Laura Ingram said, This was intentionally dropped on the eve of Holy Week. Whatever the fuck that is. (laughs) I was raised Christian and I have no idea what that means. Try this with any other religious group than Christians during their Holy Week and Nass might find himself sliding down that pole for real which is about half a sentence away from advocating lynching, uh, to which Nass replied, let's fucking go, we made Fox News. (laughs) Correctly recognising this for the instant publicity spike it would mean, as when famed right-wing pastor Greg Locke used him in a sermon and Nass replied, I'm sampling this. (laughs) I know it can't really be true, Ben, but sometimes... I get the mistaken impression that all of this culture war stuff is just bad faith nonsense to distract from a total absence of relevance. Yeah, but obviously that can't be true. No. It can't. It's actually extremely important that Mr. Potato Head doesn't have a cock anymore. Yeah, look, man does controversial thing expecting backlash Mm. to promote said thing, gets backlash which promotes said thing, and then he wins... Uh, the people that are backlashing win as well sort of, because yeah. everyone yeah the people that are against that have someone to look to and go yeah. thank you for you know holding on to the bastion of, of Christianity right. and all that is good and then everyone else that disagrees oh. that can look at little Nas X and say thank you for yeah. railing against these crazy conservatives so yeah it's probably if, win-win if self-owning was any impediment to grifting idiots then there would be no right wing fucking commentators at all yeah, yeah. Oh, also, exactly. This was the thing I was thinking about too. Like, does it even make sense? Like, right, if being gay is evil and bad somehow mm. by their logic, then Nas is showing himself going directly to be hit to hell, yeah. which would thus be accurate, right? For, and exactly. then showing Satan as being gay is highlighting how evil Satan is because being gay is evil, which would be correct. So then. If you're selling sneakers to teens as well, aren't you doing their Christian parents a favour by clearly marking them as satanic, like with a big pentagram that basically says, don't buy this for your children? I mean, this is probably the most factually accurate video clip I've ever seen, (laughs) I I would suggest. so Because, yeah, if you're sucking on some dicks, you're probably going to hell, as the Christians have suggested. Once you're down there, Satan's obviously going to be in on the whole gay game as well, because that's the whole point of... All the sinners are there, so Satan's mm. clearly gay. 
Um, you know, so it all works out for everyone. And then you're right. The parents know not to, I'm down at, you know, the sort of the Walmart, um, got to watch out. I don't want to get shot by the baby, but you know, <laughs> yep. once you've sort of avoided the baby shooting you, you're in the shoe section. What are, Oh, look at that. There's a big sort of, you know, pentagram on there and there's say, you know, you know, just don't buy those shoes for your kids. So mm. you're right. Nat, little Nassess, he's, he's done everything right here. He hasn't misportrayed anything. Everything no. is as you expect it to be. And at the end of the day, it's like, this is controversial. It's like, no, it's not. You're, you Christians are the ones saying that, you know, gay people go to hell and Satan's gay, yeah. probably. And so, also, yeah. you lived in like, you lived in the Harajuku area of Japan. And I did. I, I, I mean, we both live in Melbourne. Harajuku girls have got that wicked style as <laughs> we, well. Tom, we both live they? in Melbourne, uh, fairly close to the Chinatown district. Mm. Like, trust me, there's no way any kids accidentally bought any of those 666 pairs. They were bought in a lottery Fuck on no. opening night by dudes who were sitting in canvas chairs in a queue down the fucking block yeah, no, exactly. nobody's accident no. nobody accident. they'll be on ebay now for two grand a pair you know I, yeah. oh at least you know yeah, yeah they're probably selling for a shit ton of money so yeah um, absolutely yeah. lyrical spotlight uh, oh yeah this seems to be just simply about hooking up with a dude who is as they say on the dl yep uh which i imagine a lot of uh hip-hop artists still are uh cocaine and drinking with your friends you live in the dark boy i cannot pretend I'm not phased, only here to sin. If Eden, Eve ain't in your garden, you know that you can call me when you want, call me when you need, call me in the morning, I'll be on the way. Call me by your name, tell me you love me in private. Call me by your name, I do not care if you're lying. And by pop rap standards, that isn't bad at all, I don't reckon. He's successfully mm. evoking something kind of dark, sexy and illicit. Oh, yeah. Simultaneously annoying fuckwits and yet managing not to talk about his motherfucking jewellery or how radical it is to commit murder in front of a toddler next to the reduced to clear bun bin at Walmart <laughs> to baby, you fucking psycho. The fact that no conservative politician gives a single fuck about that sort of thing, but gay CGI Satan has them all upset, tells you pretty much everything you need to know about this fake outrage bullshit, I reckon. Uh, I think it sums up America very well, doesn't it? I can't believe it's like 30 years after the satanic panic and it's just cycling back around again. It's fucking crazy. Like the gay people are trying to... like induct children into the gay club thing that's 30 year old bullshit as well that I had to go through that when we were fucking teenagers you know and now that's trans people they're fucking grooming kids and yeah, it's the same bullshit all over again. Um, look, little Nas X, um, he's delivered the goods, at least from a music video and controversy yeah. point of view. I, I it's just watch... a shame that the song... It's not as, It's not great. I, I didn't hate the sort of bangerish touch to it. I thought, oh. it, I thought it was better than Bieber's effort and oh, slightly yeah, less gay, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- definitely. <laughs> all right, what have we got next? Let's uh, move Tom, Tim <laughs> the May up next. It's the Kid Leroy... Mm. Without, uh, without you for one week only one week, week only now, um, who is Kid Leroy Ben is he related to Kid Icarus DJ Kid Atomic Robo Kid or Alex Kid in Miracle World um, I believe it's uh, Kid Rock's son um, <laughs> ah, uh, that's, that that's makes from what I can sense. understand yes. And um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe nephew of Alex Kidd in Miracle World, mm. I believe. So I just realised that there were a lot of video games with the word kid in them in the 90s. I don't know what the fuck yeah, that was yeah. about. Uh, so the kid Leroy, Tom, um, he's mm. from Australia. 
Yes. We can say that. Yes. He was Not also, much moment. like Olivia Rodrigo, he was also born in 2003. Mm, so he's he's still a child. He's still he's a child. He's Gen Z. But the Kid Leroy, I mean, he's got the number one single, and that, for my mind, was always going to happen because he was destined for fame, Tom, the Kid oh, okay. Leroy. When your mum is a heavyweight in the music industry, as she was, the Kid Leroy's mother, um, she managed big name music oh, stars. Oh, okay. Big name music stars, such as uh, Scott Kane. Oh. And um, let me just check my notes. <laughs> it, okay, it was just Scott Kane. But <laughs> so a real Kyle Sandilands-level impresario. Exactly. Yeah. We've talked about Scott Kane before, Tom, <laughs> and you may recall that he had that music video where he did some sick kick flips in she there. did, yep. With his sort of hat off to the side. Um, and he also had the bordering on pedophilic track about having a crush on Hilary Duff when mm. she was 15 and he was in his <laughs> mid-20s. But once that aside, his mum knew what mm-hmm. she was doing. Yes. So sort of Scott Kane was like, the, Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll learn about how to take someone from, from nothing yeah. to something to everything, which is what she did with Scott Kane. And then she had that skill set so that when her own child came of age, mm. she knew how to... So what she's done is she's employed the Scott Kane method... <laughs> which I think is a managerial method that they teach in music school mm. at universities. If you want to be a music manager, what do you do? The Scott Kane method, you take that on. <laughs> so the mum has done that, applied it to the kid Leroy, her own son, and boom, here we are, 17-year-old kid, um, and look, number one song. Fantastic. Yeah. That's the story of the kid Leroy. I guess apart from that, um, he was born in Sydney, and then I think Tommy just hustled. He just hustled big, <laughs> hustled until he made it, mm. and that's the long and the short of it. Um, yeah. And now he's known for his love of knitted jumpers. Is this so? He's effectively in the, the tones and I sense of working really hard for six whole months and then accidentally fluking a fucking. Well, <laughs> it's, it sounds like he he did have a um, he had an EP out back in uh, a few years ago called Fourteen with a Dream when he was fourteen, and I think that's when he released this, he's seventeen. <laughs> So he hustled for about two, yeah. two to three I mean, years. This has yeah. got more than a touch of mad parent syndrome about it. Yeah, definitely. Look, yeah. Um, now I mean, he's, known, he's known for his love of knitted jumpers, Tom. He's effectively the Daryl Summers for the <laughs> Zuma generation, but he has some music in there. Um, it's, apparently he's a rapper. Oh, my God. It's, apparently that... Because the thing is, there's this song, <laughs> um, which by the, by the by is dog shit. Um, it's not great. It's, it's an acoustic... Sort of, sort of acoustic guitar with some. It's it's terrible. Yeah. But, so when I when I heard that there's this fourteen year old kid, fourteen, he's fourteen with a dream, Tom, mm-hmm. the kid Leroy. So he's going to come up big. He's finally made it. Here we go. Everyone, I've heard about this kid. He's all over the news. He's mm-hmm. everywhere. He's doing all this stuff, and he's a rapper. And I thought, okay, there's this young Australian kid who's rapping. He's doing something. He's breaking boundaries. He's pushing things in a new direction. Fantastic! Everyone's talking about him. He must be fantastic. My first exposure is this song, which fucking <laughs> sucks shit. Yeah, it's not. He's not rapping. He's no. doing some pretty not, terrible singing. This is not a good intro to an artist. Some terrible, it? terrible I mean, singing over acoustic guitar and like yeah. Without you, he's just got, like fucking hell. I mean, 
my question was, was the world really crying out for a second Justin Bieber? Oh. You know, when the other one's still fucking hanging around like the smell of bong water and Lynx Africa in a teenager's <laughs> bedroom. Did the world desperately want another emotionally stunted white teenage nugget yeah. with identical hair doing a black scent over preset beats? In fact, well, not only is he not black, but as you well, say, he's well, fucking Tom. Australian, which in terms of hip-hop authenticity puts him slightly below Iggy Azalea because at least she's fucked a rapper or at least another human being. Tom, he is, he, he is an indigenous Australian. So, <laughs> okay. he is black. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you out on that, okay? Just to start. Just, okay? What percentage exactly? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because don't he's know. white and blonde. <laughs> well, I don't know exactly, Tom. I'm not quite sure. But what I... Yeah, so he does identify as uh, an indigenous Australian. So, yes, there is yeah. a percentage... But, but I get what you're saying with the black scent because... He he has used a lot. He does use a lot of like an American. Oh no, accent. he's not. He's not doing an indigenous accent. He's no, doing, no, no, no. He's doing a, uh, a, uh, an impression of an American he's, rapper. He's doing an American. The yes. way Iggy Azalea does. She, he's doing vocal mannerisms from. You well, know, he has been. I think he has been called out about his sort of Ameri- black American Chicago yeah. type accent. And he just went, oh. I've got some friends from America or something. Yeah, that was like, Iggy Azalea's defence as well. <laughs> I've met some black people there for... Anyway, or, or it's that old, the old cliche of, oh, my mates don't mind, so it's fine, you know. But yep. anyway, I don't really care about it from that perspective. No. It just sounds fucking stupid as shit. Yeah, does, especially yeah. from a 17-year-old from a fucking Sydney suburb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Similarly, the Steve Cannon video features uh, some chode named... Charlton Kenneth Jeffrey Howard, which is the Kid Leroy's real name, <laughs> yeah. doing some posing around in the snow in a puffer jacket action that makes uh, Canadian rapper Snow look like a fucking lethal badass by comparison. Yep. Because this guy looks like Chase Dream sulking next to a broken snowmobile uh, <laughs> waiting for Streeter to come and pick him up. That uh, goes out to my uh, the other two fans out there. No one else will know what the fuck I'm talking about. But it is the video is just weirdly for some reason just him sort of salt, sort of pouting around in the snow next to his fucking snowmobile. I don't know. Again, nothing to do with Australia or what he's singing about or anything really. I, yeah. Yep. Fucking hell. Look, Tom. Um, we've I've, I've shat on the kid Leroy. We've only been talking about him for five minutes. I've he shat on him. He is very young. And, there and is he, that. That's right. He I and I shouldn't be shitting on him. Look, he is a kid. This song is, is fucking abysmal. But that aside, Tom, you got to. I think what you need to look at is the fact that he is young and he is obviously creative and he has mm-hmm. creative potential. Yes. And I think that you need to look at not necessarily that this is a one-off thing that I've looked at and said it's devoid of any mm-hmm. artistic sort of anything whatsoever the song's dog shit it sucks it's acoustic terribleness that yep. sounds like someone came up with a sort of a acu- it's something you would hear some do with an acoustic guitar playing at a party and just like going oh yeah some bullshit and then someone's put like two beats on it and he's sort of done some crap lyrics and shitting on that aside there is some stuff that he has done that, that is quite creative and I think mm. rather than me sort of as I always tend to do in the, fo- in the podcast focusing on the negatives I should be mm. focusing on, on the positives 
you know, we're talking about a young Australian that, you know, can really go places and he has done things creatively. And I think, you know, I'd rather than just sort of me shitting on him endlessly, I do want to focus on, on the positives, sure. Tom, some of the creative stuff that he's done <laughs> that I think, you know, really is good and really is sort of pushing the boundaries and really is sort of going somewhere that I think will probably elevate, you know, Australian hip hop, hopefully to the next level that, you mm. know, will take it further than it currently is at the moment. So in, in two, in May of 2022, mm-hmm. um, the Kid Leroy collaborated with McDonald's to launch his own McDonald's meal, which I think is sort of something that sort of shows a level of creativity that we haven't focused mm. on. Um, the meal consisted, Tom, of, of six nuggets, mm-hmm. uh, medium fries, mm-hmm. a cheeseburger with no pickles, okay. barbecue sauce, and a frozen Coca-Cola. Now, I feel like the meal lets us peek behind the curtain of the Kid Leroy creative process, mm. so to speak. And I, and I want to focus on this because I think it does show his creativity and we should focus on the positives, not the negatives. Um, but I think, unfortunately, you know, while I'm trying to focus on the positives of him creating a meal, mm-hmm. uh, the meal sort of res- re- sort of reveals that there isn't a creative process. <laughs> no. It's devoid of creativity no. because this is his signature meal. <laughs> you know, this gives Kid Leroy the chance to say, I can do anything I fucking mm. want. I'm collaborating with McDonald's. This is the Kid Leroy. You walk into a McDonald's and you say, I want the Kid Leroy. Yeah. And this is what you're getting. Yeah. This is, right. You know, you say, I want the Kid Leroy. You go that t- tomorrow morning, Tom. Mm-hmm. Walk into McDonald's and say, I want the Kid Leroy. This is what yep. they'll dish you up. This is his signature meal. This is what you get. You get six nuggets. That's like the, the default. That's the standard amount yes. of nuggets. If the Kid Leroy had have said, look, I like nuggets, but I don't love them. Two or three is enough for me. Mm. The Kid Leroy meal comes with three nuggets. <laughs> I understand that. Yep. Or I fucking love nuggets. The Kid Leroy meal comes with ten nuggets. That's I get right. that. Yeah. But six nuggets, that's just standard nuggets. Yes. He's put no thought into that whatsoever. Medium fries, that's yeah. also the default fry size. That's right. That's just what you get. Medium okay? is just another word for boring. That's the default setting. He has he's, no thoughts gone into that. Cheeseburger with no pickles... This tells me that it is indeed a child that has come up with yeah. this meal because any adult knows that the pickle is the only thing in a McDonald's burger with any flavour. The pickle and the sauce. You take out the pickle and you have no sauce, you may as well eat the fucking cardboard box yeah. that it comes in. So getting like, the pickle out of that is bullshit. It's like nuggets without dipping sauce as well. They have no real flavour on their yeah. own. That's why you have to apply it with a thick paste in other little tubs. Ex- oh, exactly. <laughs> They're like the blandest nuggets you can buy. The For frozen sure. ones at the supermarket have more flavour. So that's why you need the sauce. So he has put barbecue sauce in the cheeseburger. Sure, you know, why not? That's okay. <sighs> so far, that's sure. the only creative decision that he has made in <laughs> yes. the whole meal. And frozen coke, who the fuck, you know, doesn't really matter not seeing the world on fire. So I guess if, you know, we distill this Kid Leroy signature meal down, mm-hmm. Tom, to its bare essence to sort of, and apply that to the pop landscape of which he's in, because I yep. think that this is sort of a really good idea. We can yeah. get an understanding of what he is as a pop artist, his creativity within that. What we can see is when we distill that down is that uh, what he is, the Kid Leroy, you know, to regular pop music, you know, is tomato sauce. Yes. That's what we, I think we can get that. The standard tomato sauce. Sure. That's regular pop music. Mm-hmm. But what the Kid Leroy is, he's barbecue sauce, yeah. Tom. He's putting barbecue sauce in that cheeseburger. He's bringing an exciting zing 
of barbecue. It's a little bit spicier. It's a little bit sweeter. You know, he's bringing that to pop music in 2021. Forget the fact that the you know supermarket aisle now has about 2,000 <laughs> types of sauces and bar and fountain barbecue is about as stale as you know a bottle of water. But mm. he's bringing barbecue to pop and we're all the winners the, the, I'm, I'm calling it now Tom the Kid Leroy is the barbecue sauce of pop with an exciting twist on an old classic mm. extra spice extra sugar extra zing that's what I'm saying <laughs> sure okay. well look I'm trying to be positive too so I'll say at least the Kid Leroy is actually a kid. You know, it's I true. Mean, he's literally a child. Unlike, say, the baby. <laughs> he's merely, not a baby. No, he's not a baby. He merely wears an adult diaper because he has incontinence problems since he accidentally shot himself through the upper thigh while yep. masturbating beef style. You know, compared to that, you know, the kid, like, like little Bow Wow, who actually was little, exactly. if not actually a dog, the Kid Leroy is, you know, Kid. Are you predicting that um, in two or three years he'll just change his name to Leroy or something like that? I hope so. Or possibly uh, the weekend style he might insist on being called Charlton Kenneth Jeffrey Howard. I hope from so. From now on. Absolutely yeah. right. Uh, look, lyrics? You... Oh, look, I've got more to say. Just oh, quickly. please. Um, how, after this song, Tom, um, the kid Leroy did quote that he sees himself as an ambassador for, for Australia. <laughs> And he told Triple J Fuck that he wants he, he wants to do it. for Australia what Drake did to put Toronto and Canada on the map. Now, <laughs> I'm just going to stop Kid Leroy uh, there for a second. Yeah. It's a noble thing to say, sure. But uh, Australia is already on the map, mm. particularly from a music perspective. Yes. I think people know of Australian music. They've yeah. heard of it before, definitely. And even if we weren't, I don't think... Tepid pop music, which no. is uh, some of the wackest lyrics I've heard this year over shit acoustic guitar, is going to put us there. No. So he can get fucked on that. Also, thing. if I wasn't actively researching this shit for this podcast, yep. I would not have known he was Australian anyway, because, as I mentioned, he's doing a dog shit impression of a fucking Chicago rapper for this whole video, yep. and he looks and otherwise sounds exactly like Justin Bieber except his voice isn't as good yep. you know but yeah but um I know that you you don't love this song Tom but um what is your favourite song um titled Without You which which is yours <laughs> is, um there's uh one by Motley Crue mm. uh one by Hinder which I assume is it's, that's one of my favourites Empire of the Sun Badfinger Keith Urban does Gosh. one Fleetwood Mac uh, Avicii, David Bowie, Quavo, um, one of the surviving members of the Migos, <laughs> and uh, David Guetta mm. all have songs. And I, and I might add that that's a, uh, an edited list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could have. That's, uh, uh, there's a lot more from that. Those so, basic phrases have a lot of... Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of songs called The Real Thing, for instance, just because it's, it's not even really a saying, it's just a phrase. Without you, I mean, that's so basic. Imagine how many songs are called that. Fucking hell. Oh, look, exactly. So, I, I do like the Motley Crue one. That's the only one I think I've actually heard enough to remember. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one I can remember as well. So I look, think it's one of their heartfelt power ballads that reminds me a lot of that one off the Anthrax B-Sides album about the chick who gets hit by a truck. Yeah, absolutely I right. never meant to hurt you or sleep with all your friends type of yeah, thing. Yeah, so I guess to, to boil it down, um, Without You is an acoustic emo rap and folk pop ballad with a rock edge. Um, 
which well, I believe wrote was, that was described in LS fucking D. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, and and you boil it down, you sort of get a pretty boring acoustic track with lyrics that have uh, been used by as evidence it's by acoustic, what I said ten seconds ago, hundred other rafters. Yeah. yeah. So look, kind of dog shit. A, ve- a disappointing introduction to the Kid Leroy for me, Tom. I yeah. expected more, so... The one thing... But he's only 17 at, at this stage, yeah. and even by... In 2023, he's, he's like 19, so he's got he's got more to give. Other than the fact that he's got the right look, e.g. is Caucasian and, you know, sort of tweeny handsome, yeah. the one thing that I could think that distinguished him from Bieber that might have helped him a little bit was that he has a slight sort of raspy edge to his voice. Yep. Like a lot of 17-year-olds, as we're talking about, like... Um, uh, Jaden Smith, he's 21 and he sounds like his voice hasn't broken yet, whereas yep. this guy sounds... He can sing a little bit. He's getting a lot of help from auto-tune, but he has a kind of slight sort of rasp to his voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which, again, is a tiny, tiny little bit 90s Ed, sort of, inf- you know, that the sort of thing that made people associate with authenticity. But, yeah, because people... I think people might be getting, finally getting a bit sick of everything being hyper-polished to death. Yep. Because of, you know, the, the rise of extreme cheap computer production, you know, like that last fucking Justin Bieber song. I mean, who the fuck needs 11 producers on a song? Jesus fucking Christ. You know, just broke, just put a computer in there instead. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, all right, lyrics yep. uh, credited to Billy Walsh, Blake Slatkin, The Kid Leroy, and Omar Fetty. Uh, the talented but nefarious musician we talked about last week that authorities are currently pursuing for crimes of enabling the careers of Sam Smith, Machine Gun Kelly, Post Malone, and Baby Justin Jesus Bieber here. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he really does seem to be quite talented. He should probably just have his own fucking career and stop helping these trades <laughs> get rich. I can't believe that you would up and leave me. Fuck all of your reasons. I lost my shit. Oh, 17-year-olds are so tough. You know I didn't mean it. Now I see it. You run and repeat it. And I can't take it back. So in the past is where we will leave it, huh? So there you go. Can't make a wife out of a hoe. I'll never find the words to say I'm sorry, but I'm scared to be alone. He was 17 when he was singing this, which might explain the emotional depth of the song Fuck It by Ho-Wop Mastermind Eamon, <laughs> but doesn't explain why he's an Australian child from suburban Sydney pretending to be a black guy from the Bronx. Cultural appropriation aside, it just sounds hack as fuck and dumb as a box of gravel. At least Ice Ice Baby was catchy or informer by Snow. <laughs> oh, know? yeah, goddamn. Those guys look like gangster badasses next to this shit. I don't, Coles Radio wouldn't play this now. This no. Is, this is two years old, and they're like, we don't want lame. it. We've got nothing to do with this. Yeah. So, and, and that's, for me, the, the <laughs> indicator of how good a song is, you know. This has got the shortest tail. Cool, so, um, yeah, up next, what do we got, Tom? It is... 17th of May. Yep. Uh, we've got Body. By Ooh. Russ Millions and Tion Wayne for two right. weeks. Fantastic. Look, um, I can't say I'm familiar with uh, Russ Millions or Tion Wayne. Yourself? Do you know? Have you known these no, guys? No, no. I'm not really in. I'm not <laughs> the expert on any hip hop scene, let alone the UK hip hop scene, which has yep. its own provincial styles and so forth. Yeah. So this is the. F- if you can believe this, Tom, this is the first British. Hip hop song to top the aria charts ever. 
Mm. First first sort of song within that genre from the UK. Um, but I guess it can probably be explained by the fact that after Robbie Williams rapped in Rude Box, uh, <laughs> the general public correctly decided they didn't need to hear any more rapping or hip-hop affiliated shit coming out of the UK for about 15 years. So. Well, there is, there's a big... Uh, there's a lot of artists on it, uh, on the alternative charts. Triple mm. J used to play a lot of... Uh, people like Dizzy Brascal, mm. uh, Dixie Marshall, uh, who was a WA weather lady. who just happened to have the same name. Sorry, that's a dumb <laughs> joke. But yeah, there's been, you know, there's a lot more than I could possibly remember. Yeah. Who and they would. Um, uh, Roots Maneuver was a personal favourite of mine, and all of these people would be able to tour Australia on the strength of this exposure. So that was getting played, just not in the. At the top of not the area charts, not in the area charts, and I mean it is. It does sound different. To be fair, it does oh, yeah. not have the same vibe as the American stuff. It's not just a knockoff. And for me, it was nice to hear some hip hop from people who a can actually rap a bit, b aren't white, c aren't half unconscious on Xanax, yeah. and d aren't American either. You know. On the other hand, Russ Millions is pretty annoying, so I guess you've got to sort of take the good with the bad. You know. <laughs> yeah. Also, another thing you notice from this style of rap is UK rap production has very minimal production yep. you know sort of, this has like a little bit of garage a little bit of dance hall a little bit of I think it's called two step whatever that sort yep. of that particular sort of beat plus something called UK drill I don't know if that has anything to do with the American drill which as I understand it seems to be largely about getting fucked up on codeine powered cough medicine but uh, <laughs> yeah like, I didn't hate this but for some reason Russ Millions nasal voice uh, gives me the shits a lot. He reminds me of some annoying character from EastEnders or something. Yeah. Tion Wayne I found a lot easier to listen to. Like yep. I could listen to a whole album of him, but Russ Millions I'd be pushing it like. Yeah, look, um I didn't mind this one either time, I actually quite liked it. I think just because as you said it was quite different to things yeah. we've had so far this Especially year. Especially if you're not used to this sound. Yeah, yeah, so this yeah, this is the the, the UK drill. Um, as you said, Tom, um, which is, yeah, I think different from Chicago Drill. I don't know why, but uh, I think this has got more of a grime influence and yeah. Yeah, sort of that sort of, yeah. The, the drill I listened to was quite slow. I've only listened oh, to okay. a little bit of it, but it was much more sort of grimy and, yeah, this, this is quite kind of clean and sort of tight and fast sounding. And I listened to... Uh, they had a previous hit with a song called... The previous big hit was a song called, I think, Keisha and Becky. They okay. Big, in the UK, they had like a number one hit with that, which put these... With Russ Millions and Tion Wayne, uh, who are not in the same band. Yeah. But they just, they just so collaborated they on, hey, let's do it again. And the video looks the same. It sounds very similar, extremely uh, medium. And also like this, they were both actually... They really took off with a remix... Of okay. them. But because of the, because I'm unfamiliar with the sound, the remixes to me sound frankly indistinguishable from the, from yeah. the original. Fair it's enough. just a slight sort of timing change. The videos all look exactly the same. It's just a bunch of people standing around a fucking car park, yeah. waving their arms at camera with their fucking, you know, loaned McLarens in the background. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, now, is Russ Millions aiming too low? Should his, you know, <laughs> rap moniker been Russ Billions? <laughs> Because yeah. Russ, uh, millions know. isn't, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm, Ru- I'm Russ Millions, I'm a millionaire. It's like, cool, I can afford yes. a one-bed apartment <laughs> in central London. 
with that. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, you'd I don't know, dude. More. You're gonna need, yeah, you're gonna need more <laughs> cash than millions well, to own any sort of property in the UK. I take that's worth your point, it. but not only that, but Russ Millions' real name is Shiloh Bachelor Ashby Millwood, Ooh. which is three hundred times cooler than Way Russ Millions. Better. Yeah. And uh, this demonstrates another major difference between the UK and US hip hop, because in America, his real name would turn out to be Marvin Shortcock or something, which was why <laughs> exactly. he'd be called Russ Millions. But Shiloh Bachelor Ashby Millwood. It's fucking I mean, bad to the could bone. Could go a long way. Yeah, that. absolutely. So look, I think that that you're right. That is a really good rap name. Just stick with that. Shiloh up. Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, Shiloh Bachelor. That's that's great. So Russ Millions and Tim Wayne. Um, what the song called Body? They're rapping about two girls. Yeah. Just who have like a their body <laughs> shaped like cola. I guess that means a Coke bottle. Well, I mean, I assume not a can of Coke because <laughs> I don't really know whether that's a desirable body shape. You know, someone mm. that's four foot, that's sort of the same width from their neck down yeah, to their feet. They, they should have specified no virgin cola because wasn't that <laughs> bottle so. shaped after like... Pamela Anderson, Anderson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, Russ Millions uh, was born in 1996, so he's slightly older than the 2003 yep. crew. Um, yeah. And Virgin Cola was, was active during that period, so perhaps it's something <laughs> that, that Russ hammered hard when he was a kid. But what, yeah, I don't know. I think it was actually discontinued in, in 2009, Virgin Cola, which is... Uh, I find surprising as I assume they stopped making it in the late 90s but yeah. they kept on going with that so yeah I guess that's I, yeah so let's just assume that you know they're friends with Richard Branson they're rapping about the virgin cola yep. with the body like Pamela Anderson that makes a lot more sense than just a coke can I think so yeah yeah uh, the song's official trailer went viral on TikTok oh good after fans noticed a smooth transition in the video is a sentence I hate for several different reasons. <laughs> but serves to underline the fact, as already demonstrated this year, yep. that your best chance for getting a song to number one in the 2020s comes from getting it onto social media over a teenager mouthing lyrics while pointing at a Hey Arnold gif. You know, the majestic Absolutely. world of rock stardom that yep. we've arrived at here. But yeah... Um, the, do you know the transition? There's just one little bit in the video where the guy is posing around in a car park and there's no one behind him and then they all just appear behind him, which is just the old, you know, stand still while everyone runs in behind you. We just pause the video and play it again. <laughs> yeah. But it is quite, it's just quite well-timed. I yeah. think they probably used a computer to like smooth it out, but it, okay. yeah, it's quite a fun little just a thing. That's that's all you need to get on TikTok these days. Is Absolutely. Absolutely fucking video effect from the Wizard of <laughs> what was that movie called the Wizard of Speed and Time from the 60s just a so, guy yeah. jumping around in a wizard cape recording himself <laughs> on a Super 8 camera yeah uh, apparently so, that's the hottest shit out absolutely you know what? what's old is new Tom so mm. Russ Millian's uh, first single Gun Lean uh, became a dance craze Oh, okay. Gun so, so, yeah, so that's what he's known as. The Guardian included it on their 15 best dance crazes of all time. <laughs> so it finished higher than Steps, but uh, lower than Wigfield. So right in the dance craze sweet spot, Tom. I didn't know I either did, of them so. even had it. Well, <laughs> what what does Gunlean look like? Does well, it... for a dance craze, it's uh, weak as fuck. Uh, but then I guess... With a, to get something to become a dance craze, it has to be 
so simple that any fucking yeah, idiot can true. do it and then repeat it on TikTok ad nauseum. So look, um, it's it's moving your shoulders a bit. It's you you lean back a bit and then you move your shoulders oh, like that, okay. and that's it. So half the music video does take place in a Sainsbury supermarket, which is cool. Just sure. people doing that, <laughs> um, and then Russ is obviously doing well for himself as as you said in both um, this one body. And in lean, it features him uh, with an orange Lambo, which is probably, as you said, leased, I guess, on some sort of <laughs> rental scheme. Can you hire a Lamborghini for a well, day? Again, uh, in yeah. the UK, if you've, with the import taxes and stuff, you're going to need Russ Millions. If you've got Russ Millions oh, yeah. and you buy a Lamborghini, you're not going to have much Russ yeah. Millions left. No. Not if you want to buy a small flat. The first time I heard, London. the first time I listened to Body and watched the music video, I assumed they were talking about the body of like a car because I couldn't understand what he was like. The, it's sort of it's yes. another snow informer type. Um, yeah. Thick, but that I think that's just because it's sort of thick on the sort of British it is, accent. They use a lot of like their own colloquialisms yeah, just, yeah. just as much as they wouldn't like a baby song. They have their own sort of yeah. language of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, even, yeah, I was looking through the lyrics. I had to look at the, I don't usually look at the annotations, but I had to look at the annotations just to figure out what a lot of the stuff yeah. even meant. Like, even meant, like, at one point he says something about you'll get shaven which I thought meant something about vaginas, as you do. Yeah. But I think that's like a slang term for, I'll cut you up, you'll get oh, slashed okay. up. Because they don't, in America, in uh, the UK, you can't realistically brag about having a gun, really, because no, nobody no. has guns, even the Not police. knife crime, though. So, but knives, you know, so they brag about their knife, you know, and shit instead. But yeah, that sort of localism. You know? Yeah, exactly. So look, I think, um, so you had a dance craze, which is just moving, <laughs> your, just moving your shoulders, dog shit. But apparently that's all you need these days. So it's, not as in depth as say the Macarena, where it had like actual steps, etc. So, but yeah, so Tion Wayne and obviously Russ Millions, as we've mentioned, sort of this is um, UK drill, heavily influenced by I guess the grime scene from earlier days, mm-hmm. different from Chicago drill, which takes influence from I think the trap scene and uh, yeah. Devonport drill, which is influenced <laughs> heavily by the Tasmanian carpet cleaners ad, I think, which is it's a very Different mm. type of drill, the Devonport mm. drill, down at the bluff, fucking up the cunts, you know that sort of thing. That's so, right. but it's you know it's good, it's good, all all good, all the all the drill scenes are good, all of them. Yeah, so, that's right. uh, yeah, uh, lyrics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Throw back like Ed Hardy, stay fly. I'm high throw back like Ed Hardy. <laughs> throw back like Ed Hardy, stay fly. I'm high like Jeff Hardy. Wet like the tsunami, big Russ fuck up the Punani. Good. Now you can tell, as you were saying, you can tell he's Gen Y, not Gen Z, because I haven't heard anyone say Ed Hardy or Punani since Ali G mm. was out, and I haven't and heard throwback of, to Ed Hardy. I haven't heard of Jeff Hardy at all. Apparently, he's a fucking WWE wrestler who uh, climbs up on high ropes and jumps on people. Nice. So glad to see. Uh, that uh, Russ is continuing the Will I Am tradition of rhyming one word with the exact <laughs> same word, though. An amateur rapper like me probably would have used a different line, like picking up skanks at the party, or I want to have sex with B Cardi, or yeah. my moustache is a little retardy. But yeah, yeah, none of those are clearly as good as just dropping the Hardy name of the and fucking Hardy, yeah. forty-year-old WWE wrestler. That yeah, um, I had Ed Hardy shirts ever coming back, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's another question. Is that what? Uh, is that where Russ Millions is going? Can uh, you imagine how many fucking 
orange tan, fake tanned um, jersey shore douchebags are walking around now with Ed Hardy inspired tattoos oh, all yeah. over themselves of like those shitty looking bedazzled tigers and stuff. Yeah. God. That was a wild time. It was a wild time. They were also extremely camp looking. Yeah. You know, it was weird. It was yeah. like the pink shirts thing. It was like, it was like dudes trying to contrast their extreme masculinity with looking as gay as possible. It's I very so. strange. Absolutely. Good times. Yeah. The early aughts. What a fashion fucking apex they were. All right. What do we got next? 31st of May. Um, Olivia Rodrigo oh, is she's back. back. Yes. Back in business with good uh, four. That's the number four. And you just one letter. She's gone with so the So she has. She's fucking ripping off Prince. Five on weeks. Five weeks time. on this one. Now look, fortunately, Olivia isn't just boring piano ballads as I thought she no. would in after no. sort of that. Um, in this one, she can also do early 2000s pop punk knockoffs. Yeah. In this case, it's uh, heavy on the pop and the punk component is, well, it, it's it's <laughs> punk like forcing an album onto someone's iPod against their will as punk, I guess. So look, I might be getting brainwashed by yeah. the 2020s, Ben, but I actually kind of like this. I think oh, this might have been my favourite yeah, song yeah. this year. Compared to that Bieber shit fest, this is how you do a low-key 90s throwback. Oh, yeah. By doing an actual song with a sort of hint of a point of view, a tiny bit of sort of snark to it, Yep. Some actual instruments, a little bit of loud, quiet contrast, some harmonies, and a little bit of distortion. And look, if you think I'm exaggerating about the absence of rock in the charts at the moment, Good For You debuted at number two in the UK, then went up to the top spot for five weeks. Yep. And that was the most by a guitar-driven song since the four weeks spent by Evanescence's Bring Me to Life <laughs> in 2003. So basically yeah, 20, 20 years, years yeah. between, you know, rockets. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, third single from her debut album again. Same album yep. as last time anyway. Yeah, look, I did say this was a knockoff um, of pop punk from the early. Oh time. yeah, I guess this kind of is pop punk is um, a knockoff already. Oh, absolutely, it's a, you know. Um, and after the song was released, she actually decided to retrospectively add songwriting credits to two members of Paramore. I saw that. Um, yes, because the, yeah. apparently this song was a little bit too close to that. To, uh, who were the torchbearers? Misery business. Yeah, and, yeah. and Paramore are the torchbearers of um, a genre I'm calling um, um, homeopathy pop punk, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because there's one drop of punk in an Olympic-sized swimming pool of pop. Mm. So the active ingredient in this case, punk, is so diluted yeah. that one could argue it doesn't really exist. So I guess this is sort of Olivia's take on um, yeah, that yeah. sort of style. My, or Avril um, Lavigne, some compared it yep, to so, some of yep. her more guitar-y stuff as yep, well. So yeah. homeopathy, pop-punk is, is a new genre that I'm, I'm sort of mm. coining, I think. <laughs> it's pop-punk, but um, it it's, makes it's, sense. it's nine billion yeah. parts pop to one part well, punk, I pu- think. So. pop-punk was already one drop of punk oh, it, to it, an of awful course, lot of pop of course, when yep. fucking, you know... Blink 182 were doing it in 1998. Yep. I know you've got a Paramore scrotum tattoo, Ben, so <laughs> too, I, yeah. I thought that this controversy might annoy you. you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, did, did you listen to the two I the did. other songs? I think um, there was a similarity, I would I, say, but it's, it's not... interpolation yeah, again. Yeah, but it, it wasn't... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, to I, me, a lot of this homeopathic pop punk sounds very similar oh, anyway. But, yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Sort of maybe homeopathic pop punk is a redundant term because pop punk is sort of all... 
that, but this is oh, particularly... No, I, I think your, your definition's exactly right. I was just interested to see whether you thought... Uh, the the th- thing, the thing was... Uh, interestingly, yeah. though, she, she did the retrospective song credits on this, and people called this out, and I, and I thought there were... Yeah, you're right about the, the, the interpolation. The chorus was a bit The, the, the chorus was similar, but not too the bad. The first but few... She, this isn't yeah. her first rodeo in terms of retrospective songwriting credits as she oh. added Taylor Swift to the songwriting credits of Deja Vu, which is another oh, song on this okay. album. So debut album, was she, she's, she's added, yeah. um, she's already went, the smart move is to yeah. just avoid the lawsuits and add them on there. And that Deja Vu one, uh, which was another with a previous single yep. off this album as well, I think... That was, um, yeah, that had a little bit of similarity to the Taylor Swift song mm. they were referencing as well. And that one was actually more interesting than both Driver's License and this. Oh, okay. I thought that was a number one single, but it's sort of, um, yeah. So look, she, she's, she's, um, she's mixing it up with I shit mean, piano ballads, pop punk, she's, other yeah. stuff. So look, I'm not, I'm not she's mad a at teenager, this. Though. She, right. Exactly. And she's doing what teenagers do, which is they. The first things teenagers do when they're creative is knock off the people that they like. Yeah. You know? And as of you course. say, like she's talking about her parents have got her started on a bit of grunge, a bit of pop punk, a bit of, you know, love song stuff. So she probably like grew up liking this stuff. And yeah, so exactly. her first album, she's just pulling in bits of exactly. whatever she likes. And, you and can't if you ex- do that these days, you're going to get accused of interpolating, yeah. you know, because, yeah. You Except can't expect an 18 year old. You can't for some reason. Yeah, exactly. You got away with it for decades. I mean, that's it. You can't expect her first album as an 18-year-old to sort of be an original music Fresh statement. It, it's it's no. just a lot of different stuff. No, you'd have and to be then, a prodigy to do and that. And look, I'm sure that, you know, as she progresses, she'll try and reinvent herself and do different things yeah. and whatever. So look, yeah, not mad at this at all. It does sound just like a pretty normal pop-punk song from 20 years ago. But look, it's it's yeah. fine. I, I was actually... It was it. It had guitars in it, so I remember hearing yeah. this and going, "This is actually a point of difference from what the regular shit is." And yeah, good on it. It so. had a the, it had a tiny hint of the old sort of alternative from the nineties. I thought absolutely. Like, if if absolutely. this had come out in nineteen ninety eight, it would have featured in ten things I hate about you on the cor- on the soundtrack, Correct. or yep. you know, the not another teen movie. And that'd be because like she that. listens to her parents' music of Green Day because <laughs> she was right. born in two thousand three. So right. it's hard to have sort of a nostalgia yeah. for the nineties when you weren't even born yet that's so, right but they somehow manage it like yep. uh, well yeah I mean the video starts off unpromisingly with a ring light reflected in someone's eyeball and oh, then yeah. shows a bunch of people using social media but then I thought it goes in a bit more of a fun direction featuring someone going shopping to get revenge on somebody yep. her partner presumably and they even managed to feature cheerleaders yes. without creepily sexualizing them but making them look sort of kind of lame and dorky yeah you know and again true. that that's like the good kind of 90s video like school looks lame teenagers are a mess and something actually happens at the end which yeah, the is video like she, was, the video i thought was a lot better yeah. than i, I could have expected it's like so. the song it's not amazing but it's it's better than it has any right to be from a teenager who you yep. know it was born in 2003. Exactly, Tom. Now, you what, I assume, I mean, I don't want to sort of jump to conclusions here, but I gather you've watched her Disney Plus documentary, <laughs> Driving Home to You, with the number two and you as the word as well, um, which, Tom, it, it sort of goes through all the trials and tribulations of, of her life, you know, the struggles, 
mm. the highs, the lows, sure. you know, the ups and downs, <laughs> you know, the, the sort of the, the disappointment, the, the, the striving for something that you don't think you're going to get and then you finally reach it. But then is it really what you yeah. want? And then is it, is it everything as planned? And can you really be satisfied with, with what you've done so far? And, you know, it's, it's all of that you'd expect in a storied career of, a, of an 18-year-old who's been in gainful employment yeah. since the age of 13 in 2016's Bizarre Vark. But, um It's like Kid Leroy, isn't it? You know, they've really just done it tough on the streets of having your parents absolutely. immediately push you into chobies from the cradle. Absolutely you know? right. I mean, you sort of, you, you know, it's in 2016, you sort of, you're just sitting on the couch at home thinking, I'm 12, am I ever going to make it? What's, <laughs> you know, am I ever going to succeed in this career? And then, you know, you get cast in Bizarre Vark next to Jake Paul and you're like you know is this what I want Tom is this sort of this isn't this you know I I feel like I've made it but but this mm. isn't for me and then you know it's it's the ups and downs of being in Bizarre Vark and <laughs> High School Musical the musical the series and it's just sort of like you know I've quit school for this mm. is this really what I want and then you know you and then you get a music career and then you really and you get a couple of number one singles and it's like ah oh, so I'm glad that you know we've, we've captured that in in driving home to you the documentary on Disney plus so that you know it's so relatable isn't it for a lot of a lot of, almost anyone watching that will be able to look at that and yeah. go yeah that's I remember what it was like when I was first cast on uh, Bizarre Bark as well and mm. I remember what it was like <laughs> You know, in that situation, yeah. and I remember what it was like having to sort of work opposite Jake Paul as well, mm. and you know, holding that, the, the camera in the suicide forest for sure, for holding the camera in the suicide forest. I remember what it was like getting my first recording deal, and you know, getting a number one single, but sort of wasn't really what I, you know. So it's sort mm. of, I think it's something that that I, I, I sat back and watched, and you know, found a lot to sort of really, mm. you know, appreciate with her process, and and a lot that I could relate to. So it's I'm cool. glad that that was made. It's weird, isn't it? Like, until fairly recently, and I'm sure this still happens to some extent, but until fairly recently, showbiz stars, that child showbiz stars at the high end of the spectrum, like the top end of the music industry and the top end of the, the yep. film industry, led some of the most bizarre, unrepeatable, depraved existences out of the entire showbiz community, which is known for its bizarre, depraved oh, yeah. behaviour, and yet it was not considered fit to talk about it until you were 60 and retired and wrote your autobiography, and then you could talk about how you were addicted to cocaine at 11 and yeah, exactly. already the mistress of a prominent Hollywood producer in his underground sex basement and stuff on the weekends, yep. you know, in between flying on the Beatles private jet because your auntie knew Paul McCartney personally or some shit like that. And now, when people are just doing the confessional thing 20 seconds after it happened on TikTok... Yeah. everybody's way more safe and protected than they used to be, so they don't really have that much to talk about anymore. It's like, it so they have appear, to make up shit. Not. It would appear not. So, exactly. I mean, I mean, I don't want to be one of those people who complains about fucking Gen Z, but, you know. I think a feature-length documentary when you're 18 years of age um, <laughs> is probably... It's not going to be in bed with Madonna, is it, for fuck's no, sake? No, not you know? really. So it's Good like... Lord. 
oh, and then, you know, and then I was uh, in school and I was like, oh, no, this, I'm, nev- I'm never going to make it. It's like, fucking, you're 13. It's you this probably never-ending quest for content of, like, yep. just recycling everything. There's going to be nothing left of you by the time you're fucking 20, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's sort of, and I also question, I guess, sort of, I mean, I'm not someone that's ever been in the position of trying to become an actor or a musician or whatever, but I gather that, you know, people... You know, you go through the trials. You know, you hear about people say, "Oh, I was living in a in a fucking dumpster. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, couch surfing, and then you know, never thought I was going to make. It. I was going to quit, and blah blah blah." And then, when I was twenty eight, I got onto it. You know, just as I was like, "I can't fucking do this anymore." I got onto a TV show, and then they sort of yeah. Then they have a career, and they sort of appreciate because they had a, yes. they've had a decade of just like fucking slumming it to all fuck. But mm-hmm. you know, and you know, that's a bit more. Not saying that everyone should have to do that, but you listen to those stories and go, oh, that's interesting. You, They appreciate that. Where it's sort of like, yeah. once it's like, when you're 12 and it's like walking to my first edition, it's like going, oh, you're on Bizarre Vark now. And then <laughs> you just do that for five years. Then you just do a recording thing. And it's like, you know, it's probably oh, yeah. like, you've never really gone that's through the right. trials and tribulations. And, it, and I think sort of, it makes less interesting art because you've got nothing to say. Well, that's right. I mean, I'm not saying that people should go the Corey Feldman route and live one of the most no, tortured no. existences of all time no. just to be authentic. His I'm music just saying, is great, though. So, <laughs> so, that's so right. Of, you know. And he, you know he looks after those angels. <laughs> exactly. But um, I'm not saying that people should have to do that. I'm glad that child stars don't have to live like that the yep. way they used to. But... If you haven't, if you don't have anything to say, then yeah, maybe do a bit of living in a non-creepy way yep. before you start doing films about your fucking existence. I mean, do even the tweens watching fucking whatever the Disney Plus equivalent of Sabrina the Teenage Witch at 6pm on a week night sure, after they yeah. get out of school, do they even care about her fucking an 18 year old's you know, biography, like, wouldn't they exactly. be more interested in an adult that they, like, Taylor or something, who's at yeah. least had 10 years of banging Hollywood celebrities to under a bill, you know? I don't know, maybe behind the scenes of Bizarre Varka, sort of something that mm. really go, oh, that's interesting, I never never knew that, so. Alright, uh, lyrics? Yeah, yes, please. Uh, well, if we plug this into Titwanks, uh, we get a Category C, okay. I'm upset you're boning someone else now. <laughs> yes. uh, maybe I'm too emotional, but your apathy's like a wound insult. Maybe I'm too emotional, or maybe you never cared at all. Now, as we all know from Justin Bieber and the tiny baby Leroy, you're definitely too emotional. You should be cool and street like those two hunky silent types posing on the corner in your dad's puffer jacket next to a black guy who's being paid to be there. <laughs> exactly. Don't go around fucking messing me up with your emotions. Why are you always in a mood? What's that uh, about? I'm 18. Are, I'm sophisticated. In a mood? Exactly. What's with your fucking, you know, making me feel bad? 24K golden. <laughs> Great. Uh, yes, alright, uh, so up next Oh, fucking 5th yeah, of Jesus. July um, Ed Sheeran is back uh, Bad habits Bad habits, two Bad weeks habits. Two weeks One for this Now Tom, Ed Sheeran as a vampire is something The general public <laughs> no doubt thought that they didn't need mm-hmm. But then they saw the video clip and realised Oh yeah, we fucking definitely don't need this Look, I, I hate this, to, I hate to say this But I think I'm going to have to disagree with you there <laughs> I, I, the... I found this song to be one of his 
less offensive efforts, I reckon, compared to a lot of his other stuff. It's oh, no a, doubt, but I'm talking about the video clip yeah, where he's a vampire. I, I preferred the vampire. I think, I know, it's a Dave Myers video features Ed as a gay vampire, which is slightly more imaginative than his usual outfit of, you know, slouching at the front of a stage, and definitely yeah. suits his complexion. Yeah. Uh, I like this video more than the actual song, but mm. frankly, if I'd never heard of Ed before, and I saw this on Rage at 2am, I wouldn't hate it, I don't think. It's kind of like a silly Lost Boys throwback retro vampire thing with some cool crowd effects and CGI Lost stuff. Boy, Jesus, that's being generous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there weren't a lot of good effects in Lost Boys either. No, no, there's no. A, there's a rad shot I like of a bunch of drunk vampires hanging around outside a kebab shop. Oh, uh, yeah, Like yeah, eating yeah, chips yeah. at three o'clock yes. in the morning, which is a funny image. I like there's a chick with an eye patch who's like, nursing two martinis like Neil Hamburger you yeah, know like yeah, just yeah. they all just yeah it sort of it just makes being a van it after all I think it's because of I watched so much shitty like Twilight vampire glamour posturing it's nice to see like some sort of shitty looking vampires like they look kind of cheap and yeah. scuzzy like, well he does use the lyric um, nothing happens after two it's true yeah now, do, yep. what do you think do you agree with that Tom do you think 2pm is the cut off for any action happening just to, <laughs> well as, I have uh, heard people use that saying I've heard people say don't once like, it's two go on yeah, or like there's nothing, nothing, you know, like if someone says, hey, let's do this thing or let's get more cocaine or yeah, let's two, go to the ATM. It's 15, if so it's, it's after two, nothing, nothing is going to happen after that, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, there's no, it's got a milder catchy chorus. There's no rapping. There's no strum along bullshit about a fictional Irish chick. Thank and God it wouldn't no work as a wedding song. Like no, no bogans would get uh, married to this. No, exactly. Each song on this album, uh, the equal sign from a calculator, supposedly represents a moment in Ed's life. Oh, good. He said that bad habits derives from his desire to be fully present as a new father. Specifically, he wanted to curb habits of partying and drinking so that he could be ready to take his then-pregnant wife to the hospital when her water broke. Uh, Maybe having an actual real thing to write about instead of, I went to McGillicuddy's on the weekend and there was a hot chick and we got a bit drunk. Or, I'm definitely going to still be married to the chick from the Pussycat Dolls when I'm 72. Gave him the inspiration to step up his song game slightly above his usual thing. Or maybe he just got some new production. Might have done it, but yeah. I I think this one, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Because mm. that's way better, and the video is way better. Yep. But like it, it seems to be a sort of a melancholy ode to getting fucked up and yep. not being able to do it anymore and kind of missing it, but also sort of wallowing in the sexy, dishevelled loneliness it eventually brings, yep. unless you've got someone looking out for you at the end of the fucking night. You know, Half the music in the 80s was about that, but at least it's more original than I saw a hot cheek and my heart went boom pretty soon we were banging in the storage room yeah which is a lot of the stuff you get from the sheer and can (laughs) definitely look i think it's a complete piece of work as you said tom um this is off his album equals yeah which i think thematically suggests that the album is the the sort of the sum of everything he's done beforehand (laughs) uh considering his his previous work has sort of been plus multiplied and divide yes. so equals is like mm. I've taken the elements of that and this is sort of <laughs> thematically I, yeah. I assume that he's sort of saying that 
this equals those other yeah. things together. And I think, you know, he succeeds um, on that front because <laughs> at least from what I've heard of the album, it does appear that he's borrowed, you know, taken pieces from a lot of his other work and put sure. that together. So while his past works were sort of, you know, of themselves shit, this new album is multifaceted <laughs> shit, is that it's uh, shit but in a, in, a, in a multitude of ways, mm. So which I think is sort of pushing things different, you know, it's in a different direction. It's the shit you get at the so. end of the mathematical equation. Yep. It's the totality yep. of the shit that's come before it. Absolutely. I think the whole piece of shit that is this album is greater <laughs> than the sum of the shit parts, some would say. So, sure. so I think he's really succeeded there. And Ed, Ed had this to say about the song, Tom. He said, people see me as the acoustic singer-songwriter who does ballads, and there was just a lot of that. So I wanted to go on the studio and make something that was totally different. I spent a month and just made a lot of mad tunes. And this is one of the mad ones. Hey, no. Now, if Ed <laughs> considers this a mad tune... That's the thing, I'd though. hate to hear some of the bland ones. Yeah. This is sort of... But we have, though. That's yeah, the thing. That's, the that's what I mean. This, this, this slight up-step in quality represents, for him, a breakout from his normal style. This is kind style. of... Yeah, this is, this is okay dance and pop. Also, so. similarly, we know he's... In, the fact that Justin Bieber gets fucking half an album off just picking up his discarded shit shows how unnecessary and detrimentally prolific his own output is. So maybe spending a month coming up with just one song is what he should have been doing the whole time instead of yeah, exactly. knocking them out by the page in Pharrell's basement while Pharrell's upstairs fucking applying the false moustache to work on someone <laughs> else's song. You know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How mad is this, though? Like, maybe it's not. But He needed to you know, sort of team up with some, like, you know, Indonesian <laughs> Gabba artists or something, and <laughs> do something like that, yeah. and maybe get you know like. No, that quote makes a lot of sense to me yeah. because this is mad by Ed Sheeran standards, which, as you say, oh, ma- yeah. makes it slightly more boring than a normal artist's <laughs> <laughs> mediocre output would be. Mad Ed Sheeran is still sub Jason Derulo faux club thumper. <laughs> I think faux crass club club thumpers. Yeah. So. Um, look, he ultimately realised how boring this song is um, when he teamed up with Bring Me the Horizon oh, yep. uh, to perform yep. a metalcore version at the 2022 Jesus. Brit Awards. He said something like, I performed this a lot and I thought it could be predictable, so what better way to give it a new coat of paint than by teaming up with the Ed Sheeran of heavy music, <laughs> Bring Me the Horizon, <laughs> and dropping what's basically just... Ed Sheeran, but with like distorted <laughs> guitars. How do you think that Bring Me to the Horizon would feel about being described as the Ed Sheeran of metal? Well, I mean, it's apt. I mean, it's sort of. I know. It may be apt, but I suspect even Bring Me to the Horizon would have second thoughts about that description. I don't want to talk about the history of, of metalcore, but. Um, there was a point in time where it wasn't a genre that people sort of shat on. Like, no. Sort of, there was some sort of creative integrity <laughs> of sort of combining hardcore punk and mm. sort of metal into something. Um, but Bring Me Horizon have sort of added in just a lot of pop elements and shitty keyboards yeah. and stuff. And yeah, they are the Ed Sheeran of heavy music, I think, so... It, yeah, it's terrible. So, but I think I read about the, this collaboration when I was sort of because uh, I remember when they did that and I watched it and it was terrible. But people were saying this is like when the KLF teamed up with Extreme Noise Terror 
Um, and I'm like, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. That was genuinely sort of weird no, and terrifying. This and is horrific like when Avril Lavigne got married to the guy from Nickelback. Yeah. <laughs> Two mediocre tastes that taste bad yep. together. Now, Tom, this song sparked a TikTok trend. Oh, where goodness. TikTok creators, who are some of my favorite people, are going because they just sort of um, they're so good. They created their own personal bad habits videos because okay. of the song. Because this song is called Bad Habits. Mm-hmm. Some of them, you know, wouldn't shower very much. Some of them would eat too much food. Um, what what do you do for your TikTok, Tom? For your bad habit, I took a shit in a work sink. So <laughs> yeah, I uh, tried to reenact the. Uh, climactic death scene of uh, anal cunt guitarist what's his name (laughs) who fell backwards off a a shopping mall escalator and killed himself Mm. but unfortunately I landed on a uh, 12 year old Ed Sheeran fan in the food court and killed them instead so (laughs) I don't know if I'd call it a habit I I have done it a couple of times since then but really it's more of just something I do on the weekends for a laugh absolutely Now, this must have some sublime lyrics, I think, (laughs) if I know Ed Sheeran. That's his strong suit, generally. Again, I think it's the... As as we were saying, you know, it's a step up from his usual thing, which which makes it not interestingly shit. It's just kind of okay. Like, my bad habits lead to late nights ending alone, conversations with a stranger I barely know, swearing this will be the last, but it probably won't. I got nothing left to lose or use or do. My de- bad habits lead to wide eyes staring at space, and I know I lose control of the things that I say. Yeah, I was looking for a way out. Now I can't escape. Nothing happens after two. It's true. My bad habits lead to you. Nice. Now, I mean, you get what he's saying. Like oh, I said, absolutely. It's, it's, but it lacks that, like, Blinding Lights by the Weekend has an ambiguity to it, yep. whereas Ed Sheeran can't spell or rhyme ambiguity. So it's just, he just directly says what he's, what he's thinking. And also it doesn't really match with exactly what he's saying because the the first part is about, you know, you know, I'm getting too old for this, da-da-da-da. But then at the end he's saying, my bad habits lead to you, I was looking for a way out, I can't escape. So he's not saying, hey, my wife's pregnant, it's good that I don't have to do this anymore, I'm going to look after her instead. It, if it was yep. my bad habits led to you, then it would mean, hey, I went up through all that shit and now I'm here with you. But because he says, like, I was looking for a way out, now I can't escape, my bad habits lead to you, it just sounds like he's talking about another drunk skank at a nightclub. Oh, exactly, yeah. You know? exactly. Again, this is, this is the Ed Sheeran thing. It's like, you know, if you'd just done a few more passes, you could have, you know... And he's yeah. married now, and he has a kid. We know that's yes. all bullshit. He's not fucking out. <laughs> like, oh, no. Also, let's face it, it's Ed Sheeran. He was never fucking doing heroin with fucking Bon Scott at 4am oh, exactly, on top of a exactly skyscraper. Right. Exactly, bullshit. Anyway. All right, what... Uh, what have we got next? Time for something with a bit more balls. Absolutely, it is, Tom. It's the Kid Leroy. He's back. <laughs> oh He's God. back, this time with Justin Bieber. <laughs> Thank Christ. Fuck me. So it's it's the poor man's Justin Bieber with the actual mm, Justin Bieber. That's right. Together with Stay. Oh, God. That... So, yeah, Tom. So... 17 fucking weeks. Yep. 17 weeks, including three next year. Yep. As I said, this... Bob's down and then Bob's back up to the surface again and Bob's down and back. If only there was some easy metaphor for a thing that you kept trying to 
get rid of, but it kept, it kept floating bobbing. back yeah, up yeah. to the surface again. Really you know, no matter how much <laughs> toilet paper you threw yeah. at it. But yeah. Yes, Tom, the barbecue sauce of modern pop, the Kid Leroy is back as threatened with Justin Bieber for, uh, as you said, I think the biggest song of the year in mm, terms of the It might be the biggest so. song yep. we've had that wasn't called Tones and I. Yeah. Look, 17 weeks is crazy. like, that's, yeah. Uh, you, how do you feel that it compared to Shakespeare's sister, Ben? Unfavorably, uh, I Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of songs called Stay, <laughs> Shakespeare's sister um, <laughs> is probably the better song. Mm. It's certainly my mm. preferred song. Um, Shakespeare's sister, I think, uh, A, it's a great band name <laughs> sure. for a start. Take it from a um, song. Absolutely. And I believe one of the members of Shakespeare's sister, uh, they've got quite a storied history, I think, themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of this, I mean, that song, you know, yeah. is, is fantastic. But the members of Shakespeare's sister, um, one of them used to be in Banana Rama. Oh, yes. And they they had some sort of falling out and then they they reunited recently for like some uh, comeback concerts. So you think about the power of Banana Rama, Mm -hmm. which is a lot. (laughs) And then someone says, wait a minute, Banana Rama is too weak for me. I want to (laughs) break off and do my own fucking hard shit Shakespeare's sister's that and then Stay is the single that you get out of that so yeah so Very, way better than this yeah. the name Stay wasn't particularly imaginative in fucking 1992 or whenever that was and it yep. has not gotten magically more imaginative in the time since no absolutely I mean shit Ben these two their forces combined this is perhaps the whitest collaboration in hip hop since Vanilla Rice had that three-way with snow in a bathtub full of ranch dressing. I think so, exactly. If Ed Sheeran had entered the room while they were recording, they might have created what scientists call a white hole, which is a vast, sucking creativity vacuum from which no suburban tween (laughs) can escape. So it's a good thing that didn't happen, probably. (laughs) Exactly. Look, do you think that this song, knowing Justin Bieber's sort of um, association... Um, with, with the church and yep. I'm, I assume he's trying to get Kid Leroy in there as well because oh, all Christians try and suck other Christians in there do you think this gets much play down at the old hill song because it is a song about misrepresenting yourself to someone else for your own personal gain to the detriment of the other person so it does align with Hillsong's core mm. beliefs I believe mm. Tom yeah I mean you could also argue that Justin Bieber is uh, exploiting a child here too so <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly right probably. sort of fits in with it I mean, <laughs> yeah, well. I mean the crux of the song is effectively um, I'm a complete fuckstick and you've figured out that I'm a fuckstick yeah. But I'll promise to change my ways so that you won't break up with me. Yeah. Even though I'm fully aware of the fact that there's no fucking chance in hell, yeah. I can change my ways. So it's, it's an ode to a toxic relationship yeah. where the person singing, i.e. the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber, are basically just like, I'll just say any fucking thing yeah. I have to to yep. keep you in this relationship, <laughs> even though I'm a sort of a piece of shit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So... Thematically, it's a, it's a problem. It's a troublesome yeah. song that, you know, 
people loved. I'm reminded of uh, who did whatever I said, whatever I did. I didn't mean it. I just want you back for good. I want you back. Take, was that I take that? Back. Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah. I have no interest in addressing any sort of emotional you know, connection to my actions. I just want to keep boning you again. Just want to keep... Oh, and I will do this again. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I'm a piece of shit. I thought, compared to the previous Kid Leroy and the previous Bieber that we've had this year already, I thought this was sort of kind of bouncy and energetic. Oh, it's it's a simple pop kind of a song really it's, I, I, I tell you what like um, yeah the messaging in, in within the song is kind of whack but the song's yeah. way better than the others like in yeah, terms of like an yes. upbeat like you could sort of dan- dan- boogie around to this definitely and also what I like about um, this is and and the Kid Laura in general is that this is this is like two and a half minutes long yes you're in and you're out exactly super super quick got so, a bit of an intro yeah. Here's the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, <laughs> see you fucking later, I'm done. Oh my God. And that has a lot to do with, I think, how um, <laughs> streaming works these days. Yeah. Why have a five minute song when you can have a two minute exactly. song and at the end of it, kids are like, I like that, I'll play it again. And I'll I play think, it again and I again. I think it's weird. We talked about this once before, yep. I think, with another sort of two and a half minute song, but like, um, it's perversely, it's sort of come all the way back around again to the original 50s and 60s yeah, exactly. production when it was just like, you got a girl group, you got the Shandells doing, yeah. my boyfriend got hit by a train, like I picked up his corpse and his heart was still beating or whatever. And, but the, it would just be like, how many times can we squash the chorus into two and a half minutes? No, teenagers have no attention span. They're not going to yeah. pay any attention longer than that. And we've sort of looped all the way back around to yeah. that now where, like you say, it's like, yeah, we just got to get the hook in here as much as we can. Yeah, we're but, pressing yeah. this shit up on this shitty shellac Thing that mm. can only fit like three minutes of music so it has to be that short I've got to say, and now it's yeah. like you can make the song as long as you want but it's like well for streaming purposes we want to make it short <laughs> so we get people to listen to it more because we get yeah. paid based off the amount of or times you can do it. the trick that Taylor has done later on this year where there's like one version of the song for radio and then if you want a so- want a version that's got more verses in it like you're a real fan you can just listen to the longer version exactly of exactly right yeah I mean look to put it in the language of the moment uh, fire emoji fire emoji fire emoji oh no doubt that's the uh, top YouTube comment for this video fuck that's, yeah which is from Charlie Puth who is another <laughs> fucking Bieber acolyte that we last saw cupping the balls of Paul Walker's ghost while Wiz Khalifa worked the shark for the yeah. 2015 song See You Again brackets uh, I Got Caught Masturbating well, he, in he the Fast and the this. Furious Charlie show. Charlie co-wrote this yeah that'd explain it so he's not only lighting this shit song on fire he's lighting his own shit song well, on that's, fire well that's I mean and here's the thing as well like you mentioned Charlie Puth and look this, this music video was filmed in an abandoned hotel in downtown LA Tom you may watch the music video quote mm-hmm. this is what the kid Leroy had to say Quote, I usually have ideas for music videos, but for this one, I had no idea where the music video was going. <laughs> I couldn't think say. of anything for the life of me. So look, Tom, he's only 17 years of age at the time um, of this video, mm-hmm. but he stated he's already out of ideas. He's yep. got nothing left in the tank. <laughs> this is exactly so we what can we expect a <laughs> rapid, rapid decline into straight, yep. absolute fucking garbage from here within a year. I say he'll be on I'm a celebrity get me out of here Australia and promoting some dubious crypto exchange yeah. I think that's where we're going to see the Kid Leroy going and as you mentioned Tom this song was co-written by 
um, Charlie. There was ten co-writers on this, Christ and almighty. one of them was Charlie Puth. So he's already aligning himself with one of the worst of the current era. Because let's not forget, as you mentioned, Charlie Puth is responsible for the musical war crime that is "Let's Marvin Gaye and Get It On," <laughs> which, if it's not the worst song of this millennium so far, <laughs> it's inarguably bottom five. I mean, that's fucking so bad. So he's working with this guy, and he's declared he's out of ideas. So this is on the record. Yeah. If you're experiencing a lack of ideas because you're just out of them yourself mm. but then you've decided to also cede songwriting responsibility to the dude who pen lets Marvin Gaye and get it on and then you're in other people. fucking trouble <laughs> I you're in, I don't have any ideas let's no. get Charlie Puth to write songs for me it's fucking hard it's the musical equivalent of say releasing your own autobiographical movie at the age 18. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. I think if I was the kid, Leroy, what I would be doing is I would be doing some work experience with Vanilla Ice on his house flipping um, mm. just to see if he can get in on the ground floor yep. on that venture because music career-wise, it might sort of be... I think he might be tanking at this stage. Oh, he'll be fine. He'll be like friggin' Iggy's alia. Everyone will turn on him. <laughs> he'll get some shit tattoos and then he'll sell his back catalogue for two million bucks or something, you know, yeah, for his exactly one and right. a half hit. Look, as you say, the video, Colin Tilly video, has some quality CGI effects, but can't escape the fact that A, it sucks, B, Leroy and Bieber are essentially the same person, so it's oh, difficult yeah. to tell who you're looking at from yeah. moment to moment. And Leroy's vocal delivery is a bunch of vocal affectations, accent, and auto-tune that he copied from Bieber in the first place. So it could just be one guy doing this whole song. Like yep. it, it, he's not he's secondary to requirements. It would be one thing if he'd written this and Bieber was helping him, but given that it's difficult to imagine what he's bringing to this fucking party on any level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about the music video, it's a bit of a throwback in the sense that it features a Beats headphone product placement oh, in the first shot yeah. of the video, where they just yeah. zoom in on his ear for about five seconds. It's like something Derulo would have done yes. from about ten years ago. It's also extremely heavy on what we used to call bullet time, which is that <laughs> yeah. effect that everybody lost their fucking mind about in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> too, where you could freeze an image yeah. and rotate it, which you, you d- that used to be quite difficult to do, but now you can just do it with fucking. I think you do it an iPhone. Yeah. yeah. So you're right. There's he's, he's sort of floating in the air at the start of the video. There's a bullet time, and then also um, he's walking through air. He's walking sort of on the air at one point. Yeah. So I think um, we're, we're are you thinking that the music video is meant to lead us to believe that just uh, the Kid Leroy is the new Jesus? Well, it would explain the whole Hillsong-Bieber connection. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, exactly. Um, there was that bit where Justin Bieber was dancing on the roof of the hotel dangerously close to the edge, so <laughs> thankfully he didn't fall off because we, music could have lost a lot, I think, from that stage. So um, this is the lead single, Tom, from uh, Fuck Love 3, Over You. Now, the kid Leroy has gamed the system to get a number one album on on this mixtape, Fuck Love. So he dropped the mixtape as Fuck Love, then released uh, Fuck Love Savage, which is an update. Mm-hmm. The original Fuck Love, I have a oh, few God. more tracks in there. Then he released Fuck Love 3 Over You. Then he re-released Fuck Love 3 Plus Over You, adding more and more songs. So and is he just doing the Donda technique here? Kind of, it? yeah. So so Fuck Love was a 15-track mixtape. It now has 35 songs on it because it's been re-released. <laughs> fuck it. Love, Fuck Love Savage, Fuck Love 3, Fuck Love 3 Plus. Yep. So, you know, off the success of this, 
uh, song and the boring without you we talked about before. The mixtape eventually hit number one. And look, while it's no easy feat to have a number one album, it must make it somewhat easier when you can consistently change the contents of that album by just yes. adding more and more and more songs to it. So. Also, forgive me for being a little bit... Um, you know, lacking in my hip hop vocabulary, but doesn't mixtape just mean kind of like an album? But I pinched half of it from other people. Yeah, exactly. Clearing the fucking yeah, songs. Exactly. Just fucked around. Exactly. So it's a thirty-five song album that he's re-released four separate times, and half the shit on it isn't him anyway. Yeah. Probably more than half, given that he's ten percent of the creative talent on offer here in this one song. And this is what yeah. he had to say about it, Tom, when asked. Um, recently about it he said i kind of don't like that project man to be honest i don't really agree with a lot of the stuff on there anymore um so in the year that's been being an artist i mean i don't agree with the message of the of the album in general fuck love i think it was an immature statement to make i think it was like a heat of the moment statement It was a heat of the moment Mm. statement when he released it as Fuck Love. Clearly heat Mm. of the moment when he released it as Fuck Love Savage. Certainly (laughs) heat of the moment when he released it as Fuck Love 3. Mm. And definitely heat of the moment when he released it as Fuck Love 3 Plus. So, you know, he only had four chances of heated moments to release it. But now that he's in grade 12, he's looking back, (laughs) you know, looking back at his younger years and And thinking, I was immature back then. I was. When I was in grade 9 and my mum was forcing me to go to auditions every morning. You know, exactly yeah, right. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'd, I'd only been in love with my budgie at that stage. Yeah. You know. Now so I it does realize. sort of beg the question that getting a number one album becomes increasingly easier when it's just like let's just release a couple of singles <laughs> yeah. and then we'll just keep tagging more songs onto I it. Guess, so. I guess this does go to what we were sort of talking about in the twenty twenties rap a bit, which is people sort of organically kind of negotiating their way around the con- the old concept of releasing traditional albums. You yep. know, you've got some people just releasing singles, yep. some people releasing, you know, things through social media heavily, people releasing albums, then tweaking the albums, you know. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Absolutely. I mean, you've got, you know, like the charts, you still need a product to say this is an album that yep. got to number one, but like you're saying, it barely constitutes an album. An album used really. to be a physical thing that sort yes. of was, was static, whereas that now you had to commit to. A yeah. constantly evolving thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm not saying it's... I'm just no, saying I'm not saying it's, it's wrong. It's know. just a different sort of perspective on yeah. that. So, yeah. Hey, if it works, people will keep doing it in the future, you know. Oh, no doubt. Look, so when this song climbed to number one, it, yeah, not only on the RHS, Tom was also a number one on the US Hot 100. Mm-hmm. So made it there. And that made the Kid Leroy the second ever Australian solo male artist to top the Billboard Hot 100. God. Following uh, Rick Springfield's 1981 hit, Jesse's Girl. Was he Australian? He was. Fuck me, I never knew that. And Rick Springfield was Australian. And Jesse's Girl is a lot better than this song. It sure is. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's a yeah, proper song for a start. Look, <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I mean, oh man, I can't believe the most intense scene of Boogie Nights is scored <laughs> to an Australian guy soundtrack. I yep. never knew that. Fucking hell, that Australian male artists really don't do very well in the America, no, do they? Don't. Jesus. Yep. Yeah, they don't need our crap music. They've got enough of their own. Uh, lyrics, uh, I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I'd change even when I knew I never could. I know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay, need you to stay. Hey, I get drunk, wake up, I'm wasted still. I realised the time that I wasted here. 
I feel like you can't feel the way I feel. Oh, I'll be fucked up if you can't be right here. Great. Now, if you compare this to Sheeran's soul, like, subject matter's quite similar, except for the slight difference that Sheeran, at this point, is an adult with some skin in the game. Yeah. And these two sound like Christian virgins humble bragging about the sick hangover they got after stealing a six-pack of Powers Ice Light from their <laughs> mum's Prius when she was out <laughs> shopping. You know? Man, I just don't believe any of this fucking crap. No. First, apart from anything, I get drunk, wake up, I'm wasted still. That doesn't happen until you're well into your fucking 20s, you know. Even assuming that this 17-year-old's out on the piss every night, you know, at least fucking... Admit. Maybe he's just not sleeping for very long, so <laughs> going to bed and waking up like an hour later and be like, ah, oh, I'm still wasted. Maybe he's drinking too many Mountain Dews while yep. he's playing PlayStation in the yep. evenings to relax yeah, from all the hardcore fucking he's definitely doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in between jet ski, <laughs> snowmobile uh, test runs and puffer jacket buying sprees. All right, what do we got next? Oh, look, just before we finish, Tom, I just want to say that um, although we've shat on the Kid Leroy a bit, <laughs> he, you know, he is the barbecue sauce of modern pop. <laughs> he is doing new things. He is sort of putting oh, a new twist with it, you know, sort the... of a bit of extra mm. zing and sort of sugar on there. And look, he's he's been successful. He recently bought uh, a mansion in LA. Fucking hell! Off the off off these reward off the you know the profits from mm. these great songs that we've heard, and so he's made it. And you know, good for that. And wait for this, Tom. It has a connection. The mansion that he's bought has a rock connection, because it's the home of wait for it, none other than Guns and Roses. Guitarist <laughs> slash his ex-wife, oh, okay. uh, Perla Hudson, used to own that house. So it's um, so he, he's, he's rock and roll royalty now, God, buying dude. the ex-wife was, of Slash's don't former scare home. Me like so, that, man. So, I thought you were going to yep. tell me he was mates with Slash, and then I was going to no, have to feel really sad no, about no, life no. in general. Exactly. So look, it's it's all good. So he's made it. Um, I did see recently. He's also friends with Post Malone. Um, um, yep, and creativity on the same level. Yeah. creativity is alive and well <laughs> I think it's good to see that two <laughs> artists of similar sort of creative mm. nows coming together to, to do stuff and you know I think it's important that, that these artists you know we acknowledge that not only are they musicians they, they work across a lot of different creativity mm. fi- different fields Tom they're That's working right. all over the place. And, uh, you know, it's not just Kid Leroy and Post Malone doing, you know, terrible music. They're also doing um, terrible tattoo work. So yes. the Post Malone, he, he gave the Kid Leroy a tattoo, um, a stick figure, a stick figure, sorry, wearing clogs. Which is good, and a hat. They're probably crocs, um, but he couldn't draw crocs, yeah. so he just drew. And then shit, the kid Leroy returned the favour by giving Postman a tattoo that says, "quote I have to shit." Hmm. So creativity hmm. is alive and well. Um, and I mean, yeah. that explains how these artists can reach people from, you know, everywhere from the whites only suburbs of America to the whites only suburbs of New South Wales exactly you know, right. like exactly. from one side of the world to the other they're doing yeah. good work they're doing very good work so sure. um, up next Tom Adele easy on me yes 25th of October for four weeks yeah another real song I'm scared Ben I don't know what's going on now I'm, I'm disorientated I don't know what weighs up 
I'm not sure yet. So <laughs> two in a year. I, this is crazy. Absolutely. This is a, this is another heartbreak special from Adele. It sure is. She uh, does appear to write music specifically for nondescript cafes and suburban <laughs> shopping centres. Sure. You know the ones that sort of sandwich between a, yeah. a poorly stocked celebrations and a clothing store that must be run by a dude who had another clothing store in the same mall in the early 90s but it went broke <laughs> and he's having another stab at selling the dead stock that he found in a warehouse. Mm, so mm. that's sort of how I sort of feel this. So I'm not sure what you feel about it. but This is her first single after a six-year break. Damn. Uh, lead single from her fourth album, 30. Uh, I like this old-fashioned idea of artists with the confidence to, you know, hang out, spend some money and gather their creative resources yep. until they've got something to say instead of just punching out an album every year regardless oh, exactly. of COVID, assault charges, financial or creative <laughs> bankruptcy, a total lack of anything to say, etc., etc. And upon its release, Easy On Me became her fifth US number one single and broke the world record for the most streamed song in 24 hours with 24 million streams. That's a million streams an hour for a day. This unseated the previous record holders, BTS, for their song Butter, which I'm not going to make a joke about because I don't need your (laughs) charity K-pop. Yeah, as Adele said, uh, I was making decisions in my life which have been well documented over the last few years. I definitely started some fights post my relationship with my son's dad and with other people. Normally, I'm not very confrontational, but you can just initiate something and be like, well, hang on a minute, go easy on me. Just, like, bear with me while I try and find my feet in a situation. I obviously bawled my eyes out when I was writing it and when I was seeing it for the recording. There's an element of hope in it, which in turn gave me hope because I was at my wit's end in the beginning of 2019. Now here, I think she's referring to her marriage and divorce in 2018, which happened in the tight space of a year, to her partner, Simon Konecki, with whom she had a son. It sounded like her life sort of fell apart a bit just before COVID arrived, and so she just stayed at home to be a mum for a few years and before coming back uh, with this. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I remember her saying the same thing about crying while recording it with her last big hit as well. So she clearly considers that a sort of benchmark of uh, uh, a song's authenticity. But yeah, I mean, I kind of like this, but uh, but again, like with a lot of her stuff, I find it, maybe it's just because I'm not a fan, but I find it difficult to distinguish, you know, style wise from anything else she's done, you know. And, well, like, to use an example, the video could just be a follow-on from her last video from six years ago. It's another black-and-white, pseudo-classy, short film effort with too much intro, retro cars, lazy visual metaphors out the pee hole, an enormous amount of, for instance, looking at your own reflection dolefully in a mirror, fluttering song pages getting blown out the window, etc. And then it switches to colour at the four-minute mark for no obvious reason. Seriously, that's the one piece of symbolism you're not going to use? Like, a switching it just happens like halfway through (laughs) one chorus while she's just looking out a window like nothing it's like really god you're gonna blow that one fuck I don't know I think she I think she's the queen of um, she writes the best boring 
piano ballads. I, mean. <laughs> I know you don't like piano ballads much, but yeah, I know what you mean. They're, even if you don't like them, they are quality. She really, oh, good. she really can sing. Yeah, she, she's even like good, the music yeah. video. She looks, she looks fantastic now. Like she's pretty good, like, pretty yeah. catchy chorus as well. Yes. Like it's, it's just yeah. too slow for my personal taste. And they build, but, they build to yeah. an old fashioned crescendo too. She yeah. really punches it out. There's no fucking auto tune on her voice. Well, no. like, you know, it's the subtle kind if there is. But yeah, she. But can I think sing. Um, Sam Smith. We've learned <laughs> he he was the he was the boring piano ballad master, mm. but he threw a few Euro beats in there. True, on yes. More recent material, and people have loved it. One so thing, I think Adele yeah, get some Euro yes. beats on this, and um, I'm on board. Oh, yeah, I'm no, on board. she could do a great like a sort she could of. Just um, do the, she could she could be the new Corona rhythm of the yeah, night. Yeah, she, she could, could be that. like a sort of a sure. Um, Diana Ross sort of disco thing like where you're uh, you can actually sing but you do like fun you know things and then you can ease into being a gay icon in your old oh, age exactly. put all the weight back on because no one cares no. and then you know just to have fun go out on stage with 400 gay men with their tops off you know definitely and, yeah I mean she's got a great voice <laughs> songwriting's very good mm. just she just needs way more Euro but you crank this up to 180 BPMs and holy <laughs> shit it would sell oh, twice yeah. as many copies. She could do so. Do You Believe in Life After Love without the auto-tune. She could just do that with her voice a bit. And, and I like that, speaking of, she yeah. resists the urge, speaking of Sam Smith, to do all sorts of unnecessary vocal bullshit. Oh, yeah, like exactly. Like show-offy Mariah Carey yeah. trills and falsettos and like stuff that, yeah. She does what is necessary for the song. Yes, yeah. She, she keeps it kind of real, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Or as real as you get, we're having five US number ones anyway. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. There's always going to be a touch of the franchise coffee house background music about her. She's got a bit of <laughs> she's got a bit of Nora Jones <laughs> yeah. hanging around her. But yeah. exactly. Anyway, uh, lyrics. Yeah. Uh, there ain't no room for things to change when we're both so deeply stuck in our ways. You can't deny how hard I've tried. I changed who I was to put you both first, but now I give up. Which is obviously just talking about the end yep. of her relationship. Yep. So it's a category B. She's sick of boning him, I'm afraid. Uh, oh, well, at least she got that revenge body that all the tabloids have assured me is the <laughs> psychologically healthiest way of dealing with a breakup, <laughs> you know, dramatically losing weight through a crash diet. Yep. Yeah. So the husband's like, ah, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, I saw your uncle of New Weekly falling out of a nightclub. Now I feel real bad. <laughs> anyway, um, what do we got next? Oh, Tom, we've got Elton John and Dua Lipa, Cold Heart, um, Pinyal Pen- remix. remix. So yeah. Elton John, we know. Dua Lipa. Yep. Um, this is quite a big one too. Uh, ten weeks total, including five yep. next year again. Yep. So yeah. So Dua Lipa, she's originally from Albania, I believe. Her name translates oh. in English to tulips. Um, okay. Duo Lipper, I and think. She's got so, two lips, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And as a singer, uh, lips are the tools of the trade, <laughs> so they say. She's, but no, no, no. I thought she. I mean, I, she, assuming she grew up in the UK, she sounds UK. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think yeah, she's from yeah. I think she moved to the UK when she was relatively young. So no, she. I. She, I'm outside of the pop songstress kind of thing other than doing this podcast so yeah but yep. I noticed I noticed her sneaking around in the background but she oh, yep. hasn't been at the top of the charts no yet. but here she is Elton so Elton's decided to trot out some old tracks he has remix them as duets with today's current stars which means you know 
quote, I've yeah. run out of ideas, but need to put something out that ideally appeals <laughs> to both a new audience and my current audience yeah. so that when I do a final tour in a couple of years, as I'm now 75, I want to sell as many tickets yeah. as humanly possible, even though I do not need any more money. So he's got something that will appeal to the old people yep. who like the originals and the young people as yeah. it features their favourite artists. So, yeah, as it's we said, pretty... teams up with, T- with Duo Lipper on this one. Um, and, yeah. It's cheeky, isn't it? It I, is, I yeah. agree with you. It's just remixing old tracks. is like yeah. dis- This has got like a bit of a disco sort of yeah. vibe it's on it. Like... The first single from Elton John's 30-second studio album, mm. but the album's called The Lockdown Sessions. Now, I mean, a album implies that it's not a glorified mixtape of your old shit, <laughs> yeah, exactly. a la The Kid Leroy. B, the lockdown sessions implies an artist, you know, stuck at home, like, bur- bubbling over with creativity, coming up with some <laughs> new shit, not just going, fucking hell, I need Near more some money, let's just glue some shit together <laughs> into a glorified grease mega mix of my own shit. And then, exactly. yeah, Cold Heart, Pinal Remix, rework some of his classics alongside vocals from Dua Lipa and production from Australian dance trio Pinal. Yep. Each section of the song incorporates lyrics, melodies, and or production from four of his biggest hits, Sacrifice, Kiss the Bride, Where's the Shura, and Rocket Man, bracket, I think it's going to be a long, long time, bracket, yep. which you may also notice are all from completely different eras of his yes. musical career and have absolutely fuck all to do with each other other than that they were all quite popular. Yep. Uh, nonetheless, the song became an international hit, marking Elton's first number one single in the UK in over 15 years and hitting 11 on the Billboard Hot 100, extending his time span of top 40 appearances on the Hot 100 to over 50 years. Jesus. So five decades. I mean, it makes sense if he started out in the 70s and he's going in the 2020s. But yeah, really this is just a basic remix medley with a few extra vocals from an It Girl and a dance beat by Pinal. So it'd be perfectly acceptable for a pre-Doof beer garden party at three in the afternoon, maybe with that song we were talking about earlier. People would sing along, but it's not exactly a banger, is it? You know? Yeah, not really. Um, I think, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, sort of, it is just that, just sort of taking those previous hits and then yeah. sort of adding them together with, yeah, the, the it girl. You, you put it perfectly, Tom. So the, the lockdown sessions, um, it also features a cover of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters. <laughs> With Elton, <laughs> Elton teaming up with Miley Cyrus. Oh, my God. Um, which... Oh, I'm scared. Yeah. Uh, I want to look at it, but um, I can't and if you away. think that And if you think that sounds inessential, there's also a Christmas duet with Ed Sheeran on there. So, <laughs> the lockdown sessions, um, it sounds like oh. something you might get played if you were locked down in Guantanamo yeah. Bay to confess your secrets. So, um, But what I'd consider to be a serious oversight is that there's no reimagining of Crocodile Rock featuring Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> so, that oh, I think should have been Machine gun uh, fellatio, exactly. probably. Uh, let me just type in Elton John <laughs> net worth here. Oh, it's just pro- out it's of probably, curiosity. Yeah, probably quite high. So, yeah. uh, Elton John has an estimated net worth of around half a billion dollars. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, he's one of the top 20 richest singers in the world. So clearly this was a real labour of love and he desperately <laughs> exactly. needed to put this shit out. Yeah. As you were saying before, his final tour, I believe... 
I heard about one of his final tours when I was in my teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was doing a New Year's Eve final show with uh, uh, Billy Joel, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so he's hell. been he's been playing on the um, final show forever. Yeah. But uh, I am. A, I mean, maybe at seventy five, you might be like, oh, maybe I am actually getting near my final show. Well, it's but just, it's just unnecessary. I mean, is, even yeah. we, we were shitting on uh, Motley Crue last week, but. You know, they made a lot of money in the 80s, but it's possible they also pissed away an awful lot of it on cocaine and hookers. And they they kind of need some. They money. may need some yeah. ex-wife alimony money yeah. now, if, you, if they got divorced in California a couple of times in the 80s anyway. But Elton John, he's got half a billion dollars. He doesn't need fucking anything. No, like, exactly. Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, like, if you just want a fun dance song, uh, then Pinyao can do a lot better than this on their own. Yep. Uh, have you heard any Pinyao? No. They they were a quite a big sort of... Uh, they were kind of aligned with that modular sound. Okay. Uh, not, oh, right, right. not exactly the same thing, but in the awards. Uh, they did a performance of a song called Wild Strawberries on Sunrise. Oh, once that I caught, Which was a terrifying illustration of what happens if you're monging your face off on Bickies at 7am and then Koshy enters the room <laughs> and just looks around mystified and sits there waiting to see if he can figure out what's going on. It was very strange. There was a children's choir, there was a giant strawberry. I think I hallucinated parts of it. but Good, good. Yeah. Unlike that, this video is kind of a mishmash of... Some sketchy animation, Dua Lipa pouting her face off in a variety of questionable outfits that yep. have fuck all to do with the music, and a total lack of the guy who actually wrote all of that music, or even the guys who did the dance beat to the music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dua Lipa's got legs for weeks, but that's not really enough to hang an entire video on. Me. I wouldn't have thought so, no. no. Exactly. I mean, unless this is a COVID thing. Possibly, Quite, yeah. like, and they could. <laughs> An animated video and, probably equals COVID. Yeah, I mean, Elton sure. John's definitely in a high risk category by being <laughs> almost dead, and um, yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe they couldn't get um, Pinel on a plane, and so fucking Julie yeah. just had to dance around in a strip club on her own. Probably, yeah, yeah no doubt. <laughs> anyway, uh, lyrics. I mean, you know, it's Elton John lyrics, so yeah. yeah. From um, previous songs. <laughs> I just thought this was a little bit weird. And I think it's going to be a long, long time until Touchdown brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home. Mm. I always thought it was at all, but yeah. yeah, I think it only just occurred to me at the age of 45 that this could be a metaphor for being in the closet. Could be, you yeah. Know. Good work, Tom. You've only heard that song <laughs> 786,000 yep. fucking times. Oh, when he, yeah, when this song maybe. was originally released, he may have been married. Remember? Yes. Uh, during the, yeah. those glory days when oh, he, he figured out he had I'm to get sure married he wasn't to look not then, gay. But so. yeah, maybe. I was like, "What does he mean by that?" And then I was like, oh, "Yeah, maybe that's what he means." For anyway, all right. What do we got? Last song, almost of the year. Taylor Swift, all too well. Taylor's version. Yes, one week only. One week only. So here we are, Tom. Taylor has decided to re-record her entire back yes. catalogue, as we know. Um, but for what I consider to be the best possible reason, spite, <laughs> I think. This was first released back yeah. in 2012 on her album Red. Um, yeah. She decided to re-record all of her early albums as, um, quote, she hates the cunt that owns the masters, end quote. <laughs> I made that quote up. but um, Oh, I'm sure she said <laughs> that in private. But um, as I should say, you know, owned the masters, doesn't own them anymore, as they've been sold again. 
yeah. to to Shamrock Holdings. Um, and if you don't know who Shamrock okay. Holdings are, that's the investment firm of the Disney family. So oh, okay. her old her old nemesis. Um, what was it? Scoot? Is it Braun Scooter? Scrater? Oh. Scroto? Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, he sold them. So he bought the rights. Taylor was like ah. Yep. And then he sold them again to the Disney family for $405 million. Oh, okay. So, look, another group of cunts that it doesn't really matter if Taylor fucks them over, I guess. No one really gives a shit if, mm-hmm. it, if you know, the sort of the Disney family gets ruined. So, and in terms of fucking them over, it appears that it's working. So, Taylor, um, so Red, the original version, had 961 million streams mm-hmm. in 2022. Um, so that's the Taylor version one, while the original had 254 million streams, yeah. down from 432 million the year before. And then Fearless, Taylor's version, had 400 million streams in 2022, while the original had 257 down from 300 million. So this yep. shows that as Taylor re-records the old albums, mm-hmm. the streaming figures of the original versions decline. Yeah. as fans shift to the new versions. Ah. So that sort of reduces the revenue received from the streams and ultimately reduces the value of the assets yep. being those original masters that people have bought. So I yeah. guess Taylor's probably playing the long game and she's sort of saying, hey, I'll re-record all my albums. That'll make the original ones worth less mm-hmm. and then probably I'll ultimately try and buy the original masters You know, once the price is tanked Mm-hmm. So I don't have to pay $405 million for them. Hopefully, she'll be able to get them for a lot cheaper. And then at that point, doesn't really matter what version people listen to as she's getting the money all yep. along. So look, it's uh, the kind of spiteful play that I like and power to yeah, her. And it seems to be working, like yep. you say. The um, uh, Yeah, it's, this is her ninth number one on the ARIA albums chart. Yep. And the I think it's the eighth number one on the singles chart. The original version of this didn't even crack the top 50 okay. on the ARIA wow. chart when yeah, it came yeah. out in 2012. So she's, you know, not, you know, the, the fans are not just switching to this, but they're pushing up higher than, you know, they previously were. Yep. Yeah. And also she had 12 tracks in the, you know, top 50 during this period as well when okay. this song came out. So she's all over the charts, not just the top of the charts. So, yeah, although, you know, it is, as we say, they do work differently than they used to, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's sort of like, um, it's quite an audacious plan, and I quite like the fact that it's sort of like, yeah. hey, someone that I don't really like owns my music, so I'm just going to say, fuck that, record six albums worth. She's obviously, she's yep. only halfway through that now. She's still got a few more to go, but yeah, just currently going to really trying to make them sound identical but then have some extra tracks on the end of that then you know say to my fans don't listen to the old ones listen to these new ones and because everything's streaming now she's going to get the revenue through that and then yeah um makes her old shit less valuable so look power to her what did you think of the actual song um it's fucking long i can (laughs) tell you that 
I don't mind it. Like there's, it's, it's there's different of, versions. Yeah. There's a ten minute version yeah. and a five minute version. Yep. Yeah, I've, I, I saw. I watched the ten minute one. Um, the music video for that. Look, um, oh, there's like a short film. I didn't have time to watch it. There's like a short film yeah, video. I, I watched but, that yeah. as well. Yeah. So I think um, the original one, um, as you said, from the from the first go around of the album was a bit. Yeah, five minutes. Then she re-recorded that basically as it was and then did this sort of extra 10 minute one which mm-hmm. is the one that I listened to and that 10 minute one includes all the bits trimmed from the 2012 version oh, so it's okay. like yeah. so she, it's like a director's cut version of the kind song. of yeah I think at the time she said oh no one wants a 10 minute song on an album so she didn't yeah. do it but now that was back when you know 2012 when she was she's wrong too just, just a youngster but no, now that you she can say it. no one wants a 10 minute single but on an album yeah. a 10 minute song's fine oh yeah <laughs> and now she can do obviously do whatever the fuck she wants so she's yeah. done it um look this is kind of as close to a power ballad as we might get in 2021 kind of, yeah it's more ballad than power but it sort of yeah. builds a bit and like that's uh, kind of how I feel about those Dill songs like I know I know yeah. they're power ballady so they're not they're not pa- they're, I know they're piano ballady they're not yep. power in the sense of music but her vocals build to a sort of yep. powerful climactic moment in a way that a lot of ballads just don't even bother doing that. They just do the same fucking thing over yep. and over again until the song ends, you know? But of course, this this song is, um, it, as you said, it didn't really chart the first time around back in 2012, but in the, in the decade between that and now that she's re-recorded and re-released it, um, it's taken on a life of its own mm. because this is the song that features the uh, infamous Scarf uh, now you're going to have to explain this to me because this is another one of those fucking deep in the tay hole things that I'm not uh, aware of. But yeah. so um, the Swifties, and you know, I think predominantly the Swifties. Mm-hmm. I guess the general public probably doesn't give a fuck about it. But mm-hmm. um, this is a song that mentions the scarf about how she left the scarf somewhere, and you yeah. know, the scarf that I lost. It's in your sister's drawer, or your sister's oh, okay. got this scarf in the drawer. And then for for a long time, you know, this became part of, of Taylor's, you know, lore, I guess, sort of the fact that mm-hmm. her ex, she broke up with somebody, the sister's got the scarf, Who who's the song about? Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Who could it be about? Possibly, um, many people have speculated, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. So Maggie, Maggie's got the scarf. That's uh, sort of the general, the general consensus about this. Bitch. So, and then for, for the decade since the song's come out, it's like, oh, who's the, who's the guy, you know, where, who, who has the scarf, where's the scarf, should the scarf, you know, be returned to Taylor, should the scarf, you know, be kept, this whole scarf has sort of like, it's a, a whole mm-hmm. embodiment of sort of her career, I guess, and sort of people talk about this and, and sort of like, this, you know, the scarf is such an important thing part of what we know about Taylor and sort of her growth and you know do, do we need the scarf do, does she need the scarf what's going on and look Tom I think you'll be happy to know that Korean boy band BTS have stated quote she does not need the scarf she has many better ones end quote so that's good to know so look uh, good thing they wait in I'm they sure did wait in yep. waiting for that I wonder what Blackpink have got to say <laughs> about that hopefully they'll come up with a so public statement she sells an all too well scarf on her online store so you can do that well, um, if I pay uh, $1400 for one concert ticket in a show bag will I get a scarf 
Garf in that I don't show. Think so, Tom, oh, I'm going to buy that. So, yeah. Cough up extra. Um, Those VIP tickets. Aren't so, the, the, the scarf has been talked up a oh, lot. It's been, it's been called the, the Green Dock Light from. Um, <laughs> from. Uh, oh, yes. F. Scott Fitzgerald, yes. the Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. I mean, people have called her the next F. Scott Fitzgerald yeah. in so, the sense that she's a novelist. So, it's been, yeah, called the Green Dock Light of, of our generation. Um, yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal actually wonders, uh, quote, wonders why people keep asking me about this scarf. And, um, you know, people, <laughs> someone had to explain her and say, well, mm. in the song, the ex-boyfriend, <laughs> you know, the sister has this scarf and she's like, oh, okay. So look, you know, in the, you know, the narrative of the song, it's been called a Chekhov's gun. Um, that's because <laughs> not a thing that it is either. That's a completely <laughs> different fucking thing. Well, they say that in the song they refer to it at the very end of the song, and it was brought in at the start. So therefore, Taylor is referred to something with necessity that the end part of the song, you know, like there's nothing in the song. Yes, that... but Chekhov's gun goes off at the end of the song. That's the point. It's like you can't. The point of Chekhov's gun is you can't just pull out a gun at the end of the no, thing no. and kill someone. You have to seed it to begin yes. with. And also, don't seed shit if you're not going to use it later on. If you just refer to a scarf twice, that's not the well, same. Well, I think what they're, I think what does they're the trying scarf, to... Does the scarf kill someone at the end? Well, I think they're it? trying to say the scarf is like a very... It, 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 it doesn't kill someone literally, but metaphorically it has such a... So... Fucking hell. Imagine, <laughs> imagine being this famous. Imagine being so famous that people are trying to tease through your fucking appointments yep. book from 10 years ago yep. and figure out what the reference to Fruit Loops that you made in a song when you were fucking still recovering from a ketamine come down at 2am yeah. that you were talking about with reference to a past boyfriend for something that he doesn't even remember anymore no. and that you left some empty Macca's bag in the footwell of his car and now people are trying to figure out where's the Macca's bag True. what does the Macca's bag mean you know that Macca's bag reminds me of Dostoevsky you know <laughs> could be a reference to Albert Camus yep. the outsider in the way that he chucked the Macca's bag outside the car into a rubbish bin you know it's, look, oh, look, it's Tom, very deep I'd agree with you on the Chekhov's gun being a, a bridge too far, but the, <laughs> the person that said that also said, also said, quote, it's a fantastic pop culture mystery. So I oh, think... Oh, hey, that's, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You know. So I think what we've got, Tom, is that the, the scarf is, you know, the, the scarf that Taylor had and then she lost and then Maggie Gyllenhaal has it in her cover. It's a green dock light. It's a Chekhov's gun. It's a fantastic pop culture mystery. <laughs> it's created so much online buzz. You know, mm -hmm. if a lot of people only know one thing about Taylor Swift. It's this scarf. You know, it escapes the bounds of the song and is as much as her sort of lore than simply an item mentioned in the song. It's sort of basically, you know, it's something that everyone knows about her it's amazing. People have, as we talked about, called for its return. Yep. Taylor must get the scarf back. So everything about this scarf, it, 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 you know, for 10 years plus, everyone's been sort of talking about it. Such a big thing. It's so huge and, you know, ridiculously big thing that Taylor fans love. So imagine my shock in 2012 when Taylor stated in an interview that the scarf is a metaphor. <laughs> 
and definitely sort of rocked <laughs> that, the boat that, a bit that after that a decade of yeah. people sort of um, saying, give the scarf back, Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> it's the, uh, the green dock light. It's a Chekhov's gun. Didn't really exist, it would turn out. So well, a thing only can, in a store for $35, Tom. A thing can be a metaphor and real at the same time as well. I you think know. she explicitly <laughs> stated oh, that, that it, it is a metaphor. Real. Yeah. But then people speculated, Tom, what is it a metaphor for? <laughs> this is and that's another whole <laughs> thing where people are like, the scarf is a metaphor, the yeah. scarf is a metaphor for, <laughs> wait for it, her virginity. Oh, okay. Which Great. Jake Gyllenhaal... <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal keeps in her drawer. That apparently. makes way so, more yeah. sense, you know. For sure. It also keeps your neck warm at night, you <laughs> it know, when does. it's windy. Yeah, it oh, does. for Christ's sake. Look, yeah. it's, it really is... It's that same joke. I think I was mentioned this before. That comedian made once about uh, listening to, you know, the Beatles when they were growing up and trying yeah. to figure out all of the weird shit that... John Lennon would say when he was off his face on LSD and fucking I am the walrus and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then one day, you know, in some interview, that someone asking him, what does all that stuff mean? He said, oh, I just made it up. Like, oh, exactly. And, but then we were like, but what does he mean by that? Like, what, <laughs> co- what, how, what does that mean? It's just like, you can't, at that point, you can't win. It's just like... What that means is he was on drugs <laughs> and just said stuff and it means That's nothing. Right. When we were growing up, if there was shit in his song and we didn't know what it meant, it was either, it's something about a America or it's drugs they're talking oh, about exactly. drugs you know exactly or exactly. it's some in joke with the fucking band yeah. where they're talking I mean I think we may have said this before too though but again imagine put yourself in Taylor's position yeah. imagine if you were that famous it would be so hard to resist not just putting bullshit red herrings of through course. all of your stuff like it would be so much fun to just troll your own fans you know of with course. in a harmless way like if yeah. just well if you're gonna spend all day fucking around on the internet trying to figure out what this means then I'll just mention adult diapers three times in my yeah. next album and see what happens after that you yeah know? and you and you say in a harmless way but I think it was her most recent album was it Midnight's where you could buy there you could buy a, a, an LP of that and if you bought four of them, you could put them together to make like a full something on the back yeah. of it. And yeah. that probably gave you a clue of something else. No. So fans are like, got to get all four, got to put them together, got to see what the, yeah. the thing is and solve the mystery. So There was one of that yeah. with this album too. There's, yeah. a, there's a code thing in it that decodes is like... Apple... Caram- maple latte. Maple latte. And apparently that was something that she used to drink with... Jake Gyllenhaal oh, or something like that, or no. according to the internet, yeah. Look, I thought it might have been a tie-in for a new <laughs> Starbucks drink. Oh, the, I'm sure it will be that yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, look, is this song pretty Dawson's Creaky? Yes, <laughs> yes, Fuck it is. Yes. But at least it's on the good side of the spectrum with like Kiss Me or something like that, and less like Cardigan or Willow from last year, <laughs> which were a bit too fucking wet and whimsical uh, for my liking. Yeah. They were more of the knock off Dawson's Creek like one tree hill or yeah. something this has a touch of her country roots to it I yeah, thought yeah. the song structure is kind of old fashioned but she puts her heart into it and it sounds a lot less like somebody falling back into their safe zone because the world is crumbling into a viral hellhole outside like the last two fucking albums that she yeah. came up with in 2020 uh, it's produced by Taylor and her old mate Jack Antonoff, Jack off to his friends, uh, <laughs> written by Taylor and Liz Rose, long-time, old-time co- collaborator. 
It's another song about the persistence of memory, nostalgia and lost love and full of cool, clingy visual memory details that may or may not be real, which is kind of impressive if you think about it. But yeah, anyway, this is popularly considered to be one of her best songs, Mm, apparently. And yeah, it's definitely one of the best that I've heard on here listening to these, uh, especially of her older sounding output, her more traditional type of stuff. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You got anything else? I think the wild thing is, Tom, that... um songs that we've talked about in the past on the podcast we'll have to talk about again in the podcast <laughs> because she's still got three more albums to re-record oh, from God. that era so, so she didn't do a whole lot she only did she, three she, fucking hell. so I think she's got six from her original from record period. contract oh, and she's okay. only done three so fucking far hell. and I think so <laughs> I mean, talk about being <laughs> prolific. She releases a new album every year or two, or as we learnt last year, I think she released two, two albums last year. year. Yeah. So she keeps releasing new material, plus she's re-recording the old stuff. It's pretty nuts. So, and she's touring at the same time. Yeah. She does these world yeah. record-breaking size tours around so the So I think it's um, 1989, the album of hers that has like Shake It Off and all those really big hits. Yeah. She hasn't re-recorded that oh, yet. Oh, okay. So by the time she's... She oh, does that. I'm do sure that. all yeah. those songs will like be number on one hits charts. again. Yep. So yeah. So all I can say is we've got a lot more Taylor action <laughs> happening to come, no doubt. Um, she needs a holiday. This oh, trip, she does need a holiday. Hopefully, when she comes down under Tom for her, you know, <laughs> thousand shows, I just hope she just takes a bit of time off. You mm. know, goes to the zoo or something. Maybe yeah. you know, maybe goes to gets gets one of Melbourne's famous lattes. Goes sure. to a cafe or something. Yeah, gets some smashed abo or something. I don't one know. One of the three that. or four thousand kebab shops in her immediate five hundred meter vicinity that Melbourne excels. Exactly. In. I just I just hope she you know pr- you know maybe she's got HSP. She's got like. Exactly. She's got, you know, like five shows or something at the Rod Laver, but I just hope she... I just wanted to have some downtime and just enjoy Melbourne. And whatever you do, don't go on Sunrise with Pinal. No, no, exactly. get the eye from Koshy and start a whirlwind antipode and romance just to get more material for your next album. Just give it a rest. Have some me time. Like Ariana Grande, you know? Take some time off from the rappers, stay home, and just finger blast just yourself on, senseless exactly, in the exactly. kitchen of the Oval Office exactly while cooking right. a turkey exactly in your right. underpants. Exactly, exactly. And some twelve-inch stripper heels. Just, you know. just you like know, a normal Taylor. Person. Throw on a big hat. Put some sunglasses on. <laughs> mm. You know, DM us on put on, on Instagram if you want. We'll, ta- we'll take you down to Hector's. You can get a good sambo. Yes. Crank out a sambo. <laughs> we'll hang out for five minutes. We'll go to and bread club. Go to bread club. Get a fugas. Do I have to explain to Americans what an HSP is? Because I'm not entirely sure if I can. Hell, that's just the shave kebab meat on chips some sauce. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um... Okay. So that was that. Um, after that, there were sorry, there were two more weeks of oh, Adele right. Easy on me. After that, I was just going to um, do a little lyric. And then, thing. oh, sorry, go. go no, no, you're right. right. And then, sorry, and then a couple more weeks of Cold Heart P 
Penow remix with the two lips and John yeah, to finish out the year. And, and that's the end of the year. So this is for all intents and purposes the last new song of the year. Here yeah. with the lyrics, Tom. Go. Oh, I was just going to add, if you just because you were just talking about the year, if you're wondering what happened to the Queen of Christmas, trademark and copyright, oh, yeah. Mariah Carey 2015, all rights reserved, rest assured that she's mixed it up a bit this year by being number one in the first week of next year. Oh, instead shit. Of, she she <laughs> fell over the Christmas line. So people were streaming, streaming it a bit I late. Guess, or yeah, yeah or all the Christmas parties where people were playing it followed over to next year okay, yeah. unless she's going to be the queen of New Year's Eve as well I mean it is about time people stop singing Old Lang Syne because yeah, fuck yeah. that stupid song but yeah anyway I was just going to say uh, the only reason I wanted to mention the lyrics in this one is because according to Taylor herself who is a lyrics uh a bit of an aficionado. She yep. puts a lot more work into her lyrics than a lot of pop artists do. Oh, this is great. the lyric she's most proud of of all of her lyrics yep. is from this song all too well. Uh, it was something I came up with while ranting during a sound check. I was just playing these chords over and over on stage, and my band joined in, and I went on a rant. Those were some of the lines I thought of. I was going through a really hard time, and my band joined in, and one of the things that I came up with, like spat out, was. And you call me up again just to break me like a promise. So casually cruel in the name of being honest, which is in her thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, I accidentally listened to the 10-minute version of this too, which is far from essential. But it shows that she really was on a sort of creative tear when she wrote this song. Like sometimes when you're doing creative stuff, you just get inspired out of the blue and you might as well follow it, I guess, because... You know, even if you come up with twice as much as you can use, then you can always recycle them for the director's cut. I quite liked uh, this one. Um, you said, like, and I'm guessing this is about Jake Gyllenhaal, you said if we'd been closer in age, maybe it would have been fine and that you made me want to die. The idea you had of me, who was she? A never needy, ever lovely jewel whose shine reflects on you, not weeping in a party bathroom, some actress asking me what happened. You, that's what happened. You who charmed my dad with self-effacing jokes, sipping coffee like you're on a late night show. But then he watched me watch the front door all night, willing you to come. And he said, it's supposed to be fun turning 21. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if she's good at this, Blake. That could be about Jake Gyllenhaal. You get, you can picture it being about this smarmy guy. Or she might have just made half of that shit up because it sounds good. You know, you just yeah. don't know with Taylor. Yeah, Exactly. Um... I invited Jake to my 21st <laughs> and he never showed up either. Yeah, my dad wasn't impressed with no, that. He said, like, these fucking fuck Hollywood actors. He's fucking me. overrated anyway. Absolutely right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the end of the year. Another weird year as we go into the 2020s with giant, massive songs. People dropping out of view then popping up again two weeks later exactly a bunch yeah. of fucking teenagers like it's the 70s again oh Kid yeah. Leroy keeping it real so we'll be back next week with 2022 we're fast approaching on the present day mm. and as you mentioned Tom about the first third of next year is just songs from this year yeah so it'll, <laughs> um, so we'll talk about them again because sure. everyone needs to hear more about glass animals and fucking mm. cold heart so I look forward to listening to all I want for Christmas is you and the 4th of <laughs> 4th of January with a massive hangover so yeah it's interesting yeah I'm, I'm curious as to whether she'll be able to maintain that number one song 
until the end of the decade. I'm, I, hopefully she does. I'm well, I mean, quite she an impressive doesn't thing. really seem like, other than profiting from it and trying to copyright the name The Queen of Christmas, yeah. she's not really promoting it that hard. It just seems like it's on so many people's fucking Christmas playlists that it yeah. just pops up again. Like you were saying, even bloody George Michael's estate gets a bump from, yeah. you know, the Wham! Christmas song. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. I'll be I'll be blasting that Elton John and Ed Sheeran Christmas song in December this Ooh. year, trying to get that to oh. the top of the charts. Oh. Um, and of course, the Bass Hunter <laughs> Christmas song too. Sure. Good. All right. Thank you. Farewell. No worries. Bye, guys.